Go. Do it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another all-new X's for Show, your premier media response show. I'm Nico, and you can check me out online at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And I'm TK. You can find me at TK Elemental. And that makes your, me your producer, Kevo, and you can find me at Kevo Really. And I am stoked to be here to talk about uh, so many things, especially this new era of Doctor Who. Woo-hoo. Oh, yeah. And uh, I love that today's kind of like a, a super international takeover. Uh, really excited. We're talking about Doctor Who. We've got some international drag race coming up a little bit later. But, uh, you know, let's start this off with some Doctor Who. I'm so excited to get into it. Uh, we've got some guests to talk about it today, and I'd love to bring them in. Uh, so, Tori, Jonah, if you guys are ready, give us a thumbs up, and we'll get you guys right in that chat. All right. Yay! Uh, feels good when the entire TARDIS team is here. Yeah, it's a good time. Hey, some right? we missed you. Hi, I'm reporting live back from Vegas. A big city yes. full of sin where nobody knows my name because that was my first time visiting. Ooh. Well, we're glad you didn't stay in Vegas. Ooh. But, uh, so, Jonah, where can everybody find you online? Uh, you can find me online, not in Vegas, at Peak Jonah. That's P E A K. Tori, it's been a literal hot second since we saw you, uh, not even 24 hours ago here. Uh, it's so great to have you back. Tori, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? You can find me on the internet at SM Tori. That's Tori with an I. I'm so excited to go from talking Christmas songs to talking meta crises. Oh, I could not be more excited than to go down this journey with everybody. And let's kick things off like we always do with the big question. And uh, tonight's big question, uh, let's get that boy on the board because I want to get it right word for word. Oh, great. Who or what would you like to see return on who? Uh, You know, for me, this is a kind of an easy one. Actually, I would really like to see a return to going somewhere that isn't about defining canon. It felt like in uh, early who it was okay to have fun. And then it felt like everything needed to be an episode that got its own wiki. I would really like to see fun come back. And uh, I really feel like, you know, while that was kind of heralded by the Moffat era, you know, uh, RTD really did a lot of stuff this episode to give me the fun back. Oh, that's the end of me. Yeah. Hmm? Let's go down the list. TK. Uh, I kind of feel the opposite. I felt like they uh, did not enough can, especially in the Chibnall era, they did not enough canoning, except for the timeless child stuff. But that was wrong. So uh, undo that and then do new canon stuff that I like. Uh, that's what I want. And then uh, the biggest thing that they need to do is uh, bring Georgia Moffat back because I feel like that's the biggest dangling plot thread in the history of Doctor Who. And uh, also, she's Georgia Moffat, and she's married to Doctor Who, so she should be on the show. Um, right there. That's that's what I want. What about you, Tori? Well, I <laughs> actually talking with Kevo uh, earlier this weekend after we both watched it, it made me realize that like I would love actually to see more River Song with Ten. Yes. If we, I know we we're not going to get it, or it's just it it would be too big of a get to hide, but. I would love it. 
if we did. I don't feel like that I would be said, too big to hide. I feel like that's a you could get a real good surprise, Alex Kingston. I said River Song with twelve. I know record. you did. Ten would I'm... be just as good. <laughs> but oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm down for River with almost anyone. I would love Ritter, River with uh, Chudigawa. Yes. Yeah. Or George Moffat. Seriously. Or, yeah, I think that'd be Moffitt, super fun. Yes, please. <laughs> Jonah, I know you are our like baby Whovian. You're like our our Whovalette, right? Uh, do you have a big thing from Doctor Who other than Donna that you were looking to see make a comeback? Um, not so much a big thing personally, me, but I really did like the character, and I hope this isn't like a hot like thing. Uh, if we're gonna bring Donna back, why not bring back Martha? I love Martha. I'm a I love sweet. Martha. Yeah. Let Martha come Love back and have Martha. some fun too. Love yeah, Martha. Yeah. I um, Martha was a character who uh, I really enjoyed. I also really liked the actress, especially uh, and stuff like um, or that's how it shows. Sense Eight, very gay Sense8. show. Sense Eight, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, where uh, she was a really great character. So let her come back and let her. I don't know. Do some cool, cool, cool Martha stuff. Well, speaking yeah. of cool stuff, Kevo, you know this for you is the cool stuff. This was a yes show yeah. coming back, not to just any TV, but to D plus uh, a new home for uh, an old show. Always exciting. Um, you know, so tell me, what would you want to see make a comeback in this uh, new RTD era? Yeah, you know, uh, I got into it through RTD. I am a big fan since the RTD era. I just want to highlight myself for a second to point out that I'm wearing my uh Time Power Puff Girls shirt in in celebration. I've had this bad boy for like 15 years and uh, super stoked that I had such an amazing reason to break it out again. Uh, Apart from almost everything uh, everyone said, uh, I definitely would love more than anything to see a return to some of the uh, canon threads that Russell T. Davis started that have had to fall off. Uh, Elizabeth Sladen's passing meant that the Sarah Jane adventures sort of had to end on a very abrupt note they did a good job of wrapping it up but the only real finale we've had for that character is with one of the doctor who lockdown specials uh and so i would really love to see that you know those kids are still doing the good fight uh i know the actor who plays clyde uh did one of the recent tales of the tardis specials which is these weird meta uh the the actors meet up and talk and like the doctors are just the old men version and we just sort of accept it and it's meta canon not canon but it was cool to see him appear in one of those and so i'd love to see him appear uh in more stuff again you know i love that so many of us had different things we're looking for down to like opposites uh and i think for me one of the big things that makes Doctor Who so special is the breadth of it, right? It's like comics. You dial into the parts you dial into. For many years, just to use like a, you know, the thing that started this whole show, when you talked about X-Men, you know, you were like the Claremont era or everything after. And now it's like the Claremont era, everything in the 90s up through Morrison's new X-Men. Then it's post new X-Men. And then it's up through the decimation. And then it's like, post color teams like it winds up transforming so much as a result of added era and so we stand at the precipice of a new era of doctor who that's really an old era 
it's, it's so weird because there's scream movies coming out and RTD is running Doctor Who. I am almost positive I'm about to walk into a Stephen Barry's and buy a $12 jacket. And I'm really excited to kind of talk about the eras of Doctor Who just for a minute to kind of give everybody's, uh, you know, what they know of the show. I mm. myself uh, have watched just about everything and almost all of the spinoffs. I don't believe we finished class and I didn't watch Flux or all of the specials. So of the modern era of Doctor Who, I believe I am altogether like nine episodes, ten episodes behind, period, including all of the spinoffs as far as I'm aware. Um I don't like Eleven a whole lot. Uh, Matt Smith just is not my doctor. Uh, annoying little brother energy, not for me. I love 12 because old men are my thing. Uh, I love 13. Jody's awesome. Um, but David Tennant looking fucking fine as an old guy oh, is so man. so nice. I don't know what kind oh. of real life motion aliasing they put on that man. But uh, shit is not moving unless he blinks his toes. It's wonderful. Uh, so that's my experience. How about you, TK? What's your uh, what's your Doctor Who decks? I don't. I didn't have a joke. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have uh, you. Everything modern. Uh, Torchwood, Sarah Jane Adventures. I think I watched a little bit of class. Um, basically, m not most of Jody. Um, which I regret because I like Jodie Whittaker a lot, but I really, really did not like uh, Chris Chibnall's writing uh, and the direction of the show. Um, I, I mean this literally as a you're a film guy. Do you mean like the technical directing of the show or like the course of it? The course of it. Uh, I, I my my thing is actually often BBC directing. So yeah, like I, uh, I could have. I, I was like, oh, is this a moment? <laughs> and you know, I mean, like. That was something I really noticed this episode, uh, this first special, is like Russell T. Davies' style is very specific. Uh, and there was a really... I'm a, I'm, I'm a big Eleven fan. I, I really loved Eleven. Uh, and, I, you know, I loved uh, Rory and Amy. I loved that little, that little uh, pack. Uh, but there was a very interesting transition... Uh, because Stephen Moffat was doing writing leading into uh, taking over the show, and you would sort of start to get more familiar with his style and how the direction, the directing of an episode would be different when it was a Stephen Moffat episode. And, like, it was a bit of a smoother transition. Uh, I really did notice this time around that, like, we skipped right back to uh russell t davies being really russell t davies and it's not a bad thing but it not is uh very different and i'm excited to talk about it uh but yeah so i i am not super caught up on jody and that's one of my big questions going forward is like is that gonna matter at all kind of seems like no I, it kind of seems like you could just pick back up right after yeah. donna yoinked. yeah uh, which is weird because like uh chibnall took some enormous swings in terms of canon well, and I, I have a whole thing about how it secretly is a love song to that. It's the way that it's, you know, uh, astonishing is all about Gene. But uh, Tori, Tori, what is your doctor, your doctor? I don't have a joke. Tori, how much? Dr. Hoovra. Yes. What is my Dr. Hoovra? Uh, like like many things in our friendship, Kevo, Kevo brought me into this a long time back. 
I watched all the way through till half till halfway through 12 and bill um and then i i had to uh i got too busy and, and needed a break so um <laughs> so i mean i watched sarah jane adventures i watched torchwood i think i've either seen most of class or a little bit of class um but really? i haven't seen much of the maybe i feel like kevo gave me all the episodes and then i i can't remember anything about it um so yeah and then um i'm i i loved i i'm a nine apologist i'll always love nine more than anything uh tenants 10 is fantastic and i'm so so excited to see to see the uh him in these specials um 11 didn't really do it for me until clara showed up or river was around and i love 12 too so it's a it's a good time to be to be my kind of hoovian I just want to say I, I started laughing when you mentioned um, uh, Bill specifically mm -hmm. because in this house one of our absolute favorite jokes of all time is I real fatted her. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. In her first yeah. episode where she's yeah. explaining that she like power like, as a guy who occasionally <laughs> power feeds my guys, I understand. Um, uh, I love your experience story. It's super cool. I love that everybody here, me, TK, you, we all have these awesomely different experiences. Now Jojo, I believe. You might be uh, on just your second or third regeneration these days. Yes. So way back in high school, I had a friend who was a much nerdier person who kind of got me into a lot of nerdier things. Uh, take this for what you will. He's the person who told me to read. Um, oh, I, I could think of the, it's a, the web comic. Um, Penny Arcade. Questionable no. content. Not no. Homestuck. Homestuck. P there we go. Oh. <laughs> 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 the Remove. Remove. Oh, oh. I didn't read all of it. I read um, uh, much to uh, similar chagrin Christ. about Doctor Who. I dropped off after a certain point of reading slash watching because it just I had other things to do. Uh, nice. Busy high schooler. And so my my Doctor Who experience is uh, seasons one, two, three of the remake. So. Uh, all of nine and a part of ten and the last episode i watched of ten was in season four the doctor's daughter we got to meet the doctor's daughter and then i didn't finish that episode and that is where i left off i watched a little bit of um some of 13 thanks to kevin i think i've only watched some of it um i watched the episode with the master and then i also watched the new Year's special mm. So I am a I'm a very fresh, very uh, limited knowledge person when it comes to the overall Doctor Who regenerations and what exactly goes on between all between those life cycles between everything when I stopped meeting the Doctor's daughter to now, which to be fair to me, not much has changed. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> so now Kevo, um, so Doctor Who is a British show about an alien who mm -hmm. so, who runs around in a in a little box and uh it's for educational purposes um mm, i hear it's for children is it very successful yes and uh it's has almost, it been on for many years it's uh yes and it is uh it is also about um history oh. and robots mm, aren't you talking about mystery science theater silly. yeah yes this, uh, i think you're mistaken this might be wishbone actually <gasps> No, I guys, I'm so sorry. I was thinking about Small Wonder. 
Um, so robots yeah. owning robots, am I right? So, Kevo, uh, you are the Doctor Whoziest. Uh, tell me all about how this is so Doctor Whozy Boise for you. Uh, yeah, I would say I am the most caught up of everyone here, probably then. Uh, I have seen, you know, uh, everything uh, so far. I haven't watched it a million times because the streaming situation is so precarious with Doctor Who right now uh, and HBO Max and uh, the fact that the new stuff didn't transfer over to Disney+, Plus, but... You know, honestly, in thinking about that, I imagine Russell T. Davis was told that and said, that's fine. It's probably better that way, because I really think a lot of the purpose of this new era for Doctor Who is meant to introduce it to new audiences and not so much be beholden to the past. You know, I don't have a problem with something like The Timeless Child. No one's ever successfully explained to me why it's a problem, but I will say I don't think it changes enough or anything about the show in a way that it needs to be directly addressed again. Russell T. Davis said that that and Flux and a few other things are going to come up in next week's episode. But like, I imagine there is probably going to be some sort of interaction between the Doctor and Donna and the Doctor being angsty about that revelation and Donna being like, are you still the Doctor? This just means there's more of you than there already were. Yeah. I never trusted that. I already knew that when I met you. This is just more shady you crap and this it doesn't is, matter and move on. This is just like the doctor finally did one of those horrible genealogy studies and just yes. found out that there's a few extra time lords in the mix. Yeah. I love that. It's just for him. All the family is all in there. It's all one person. You discovered that your extended... I love that metaphor. He discovered his extended family is even bigger and crap. What do I do now? Well, we'll just have to wait and see. He went on Mori, Mori Povich and realized, yes, he is I related. am my own father. Um, mm -hmm. Probably. And we'll get there in another 10 years. I just need to point out that uh, TK has put something horrible into our group chat that I'm hoping Kevo will put up on screen. Um, it has me levitating. So um, I can't. I'm about to get physical right now. Oh, <laughs> my God. In the moonlight. So. Uh, the, the big thing about this episode that I really did think was this episode seemed very, because, you know, all spoilers, uh, I see Cyborg gave it a solid 8 out of 10. I gave it a 9.2 out of 10. I thought it was a solid A-minus episode for me. Uh, I loved it. Uh, the big thing I thought, though, just to kind of like touch on like the big overarching identity of this show Um I feel like this actually did really want you to understand that everything that's happened before does matter. These identities, these transformations, the changing of the guard, it all does matter to the idea of the doctor. And some ways that I do think that the timeless child is necessary, but it kind of is necessary in the same way that like, um, Kevo, please help me. It's day of the doctor is the special that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with day where or they, power of the doctor or uh, wherever they yeah power of the doctor thank you where they sort of redo the regeneration cycles until this point oh no that's time of the doctor time of the doctor thank you which gosh i know not even <laughs> in person no wait those yeah no they're not it's the christmas songs all over again from last yep. night right yep um but so in and of the doctor moment the doctor, you know, is basically given an opportunity to regenerate. I thought she was the meep for a second. Uh, mm -hmm. The doctor is basically given an opportunity to regenerate more times. 
up through now in canon, the idea of the doctor regenerating was treated as sacred. It was, you know, religious. It was, it was so important. Uh, with the doctor now having this opportunity to no longer think of regeneration energy as this sacred duty, and instead to understand that living in now requires living in now, stop being so damn precious. Um, I really think in a lot of ways, this was a total acknowledgement of everything that's come before. And while I don't necessarily think that the snark of, you know, basically white men in power just can't understand. I don't think that it landed the way it could have to make waves. Why play nice? You don't have to. You've been talked down to a zillion times. You know, whenever anybody's like, why does there have to be a token queer character on a show? Um, I'm like, well, actually, no, there needs to be two queer characters on a show so that the two queer characters have each other to talk to. Because imagine being the only straight person in a room of 20 gay people. You would yep. feel isolated as well. And so I just sort of thought that everything about this episode defied the idea of the one, which is what RTD's episode is based on. It's not just that there's another identity of the female doctor. It's not exactly a female doctor because it's not one person. It's two people. And one of them is non-binary. And there is so much transformation to the idea of how much RTD's era is about the oneness, the aloneness. And this episode is about limitlessness. And that is a true ode to 11, 12, and 13. And I'm really grateful. I really yeah. love that. I, I, I think that's pretty spot on. I think um, the this is one of those things I, t I end up saying a lot when it comes to uh, writers who take big swings for minority representation, which is like, we don't get any, so ours gets to be bad, too. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at you, Phoenix Echo song. That's, that is the first time that I really was like, Rebecca Roanhorse gets to write a bad Phoenix story. Uh, Native American people, indigenous people get no stories at all. It is not fair to expect them all to be good. Uh, and it wasn't, you know, bad is unfair. It wasn't, it just wasn't great. Uh, and we're not going to remember it, and it's not going to be huge canon. Rebecca Roanhorse did like two things already this year that I do think were phenomenal. Um, I loved basically the, my, my feeling is like nobody edits uh, Russell T Davies or tell like works on his scripts. He just writes them Probably. and uh, you know, and nobody, you know, he's, he's the guy. So you don't say anything. Gay that, British Sorkin fever dream. Precisely. Yep. Um, yep. That the concepts, the, all of the concepts were phenomenal. You know, the, how he got Donna out of the predicament that led to her forgetting everything, how he introduced Rose, how Rose embraced her personal identity, how that influences the Time Lord identity, all very cool. The literal dialogue explaining it, facepalm to crack my skull in half. But Which that's has fine. always been Russell. Exactly. That's the thing. One, not a change, not a, not a status quo shift at all. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, this isn't, um, we're right back to Russell T. Davies, and that's okay. Um, I loved the Russell T. Davies era, but you always knew where it was hammy and it wasn't like, I think I really resonated with, uh, Moffat for being able to be a little more subtle in those types of moments. There are other moments where he cannot be subtle. No. Um, but there are some real, uh, expository moments. The revelation of river, I think is one of his best, uh, where he's almost too subtle. Like the, the, 
reveal goes on too long at the end of that episode but the two of them being like uh and it is because you are a male presenting doctor that you do not get this was a little bit the concept i love the explanation in the scene the writing of the explanation uh not not the greatest writing i have ever seen in the history of doctor i really upon watching the clip again i even was like this is meant to be a joke but the way that they are hitting the beats yeah it is exactly absolutely easily read in a way that is far more targeted uh Peter, than Bill i feel like it needs to be and, and that takes me into the like direction idea of it where i mean in this part i think maybe isn't even his fault i think it was maybe a half hour too short I think I would have loved for it to be an hour and a half. And I found myself loving how fast it was. So much. But then noticing, like, and here is where they've just randomly cut to everybody being fine, where I think this moment could have used five seconds to breathe. So the 40-minute episode of Drag Race is what you're talking about. I... We're going to get into it. I really was very pleased that Canada was not long, but let's we'll get there in a second. I even want to jump directly to what you're saying, and I prepared, yeah. you know, a little snippet. Is it the Nico thing? Because, oh, Is well, it the and Nico. Nico thing? Yeah, no, no, no. Nico also had the same exact feeling. Where I even prepared a splice of we're watching this moment of the world is going straight to hell, and I literally look at him CG and I'm like, gotten, you can't take this back. Yeah, no. no. It's, it's and, and part of the problem is CG has gotten so good that it's so easy to make something look as dramatic as this. Yep. But then, uh, and Russell T. Davis has always had this problem. You specifically compared it to the Sunfarn Stratagem, which was another one where it just, it resolved so quickly. Uh, they do their whole thing, and then it goes directly into all the cracks just closing back up. Yep. Maybe we are going to come back in the third of three specials and people will still be rebuilding from this because that's something he likes to do some, sometimes too, where there will be longer consequences. But like, there aren't really that long consequences. I still remember from this special when he uh, sacked all of Manhattan uh, while Martha Jones was there and Manhattan's fine. And, you know... That's just one of those things where he's a great writer and I love him, but you can't tell me that he really thinks about consequence and stuff like that in the long term. He hand waves it. Yeah. 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 And I definitely think that the moments that you're kind of talking about, I I agree they do. They're supposed to come off as jokey. They feel much more verging on preachy. I think it was because I, I would want to believe that he didn't want to be subtle that to be subtle would be to leave the door open for too much interpretation. It's better to just, just lean into the hammer and say, this is what we are actually saying. You cannot refute it because it is coming out of our mouths. I mean, and regardless of message, we've made a case for, he doesn't know how to do subtle yeah. period. Yeah. So why would his political statements be any less subtle anymore? carefully tailored yeah he doesn't know subtle yeah no he does not and to that end i think the one point where i found it not great uh like i couldn't love it was the beginning uh explanation for everything that has happened where he and donna are talking to the screen 
Uh, I do imagine, I can imagine a world in which that was a, uh, if you want this on Disney Plus, you got to add this mandate. No, I thought it was so British. I could imagine uh, like Sir Ian McKellen and Dame Judi Dench and Dame Elton John doing something like this to open up some sort of, I cannot imagine what faggoty property the three of them would make together. But please let me tell you, I am buying the Blu-ray set. I mean, I get that, but the fact that in all of this time of Doctor Who, we have never had a character staring into the camera. Oh no, we like have. Irulan. Have we? We had the we have. Amy voiceover on BBC America, but yes. that was with the character staring into your eyes while they'd said it. Yeah, but, but it was essentially the same exact. It was thing. the same thing. So it was the same thing. The same thing. It was, I was little, I found oh, a dragon yeah, in my yeah, backyard, yeah. he came back, thing. we went to the stars, where will we yeah, go? Yeah, that was, I don't know, I, I feel like that was a little different than this. I feel you, I do. Well, uh, and that's the thing about evolving the brand and trying to push into this global international market, we're going to start seeing stuff like this, yeah. not just the international market, but new markets. This isn't yeah. just for that, it's a matter of trying to bring in all all new audiences trying to bring old people back for me the hardest part of this was honestly uh watching the no the hd conversion from clips like this oh yeah yeah where it's just absolute garbage pixelization who they did their best yeah oh cyborg Uh, yes yeah the the fourth doctor the only And this is this is why it bugs me whenever I hear it like Chibnall ruined Doctor Who because he got rid of Christmas specials. There were no Christmas specials or Christmas anything before Russell. And the only Christmas special was the first Doctor. And he looks directly into the camera to thank you for being his friend and to wish you a happy holiday season. Like, so, you know, we do stuff. If Frasier did that on the show Frasier, where Kelsey Grammer played Frasier... I feel like we would all be like, Mm-mm, show jump the shark. Instead, I would love it. I would love it too. But I mean, instead, when the doctor does it, there's sort of this buy-in on the magic of like it's it's this extra magical creature. He has to explain the world to you. You know, Jonah. I actually often think of those as sort of like uh, tutorial cutscenes on games. How do you feel about the doctor and Donna looking right into your brain and talking to you about all the things you should know about their lives if you plan on watching this episode? Well, number, I have three points. One, I just realized this episode and this media is the second media that is special to both of you guys, where there is this larger sci-fi world where the crux of the character is a character named Rose. Yeah. Rose Ni- uh Rose Island, obviously. No, Rose yes. Walker. Oh, and, uh, oh Rose Walker and... wow, yeah. Um two, uh, I'm somebody who skips a lot of dialogue and a lot of cutscenes and it gets confused. What am I supposed to do here? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, I got lost. <sighs> I just want to do my own thing. Let me rush in. If I hit uh, select, does it remind me the current uh challenge? Three to and to actually answer your question this time, I was a little on the fence about it for what it did i was appreciative of because i am somebody who doesn't know what happens i don't know the reason why donna stops becoming a companion i don't know any of that so them going over that the story beats of this is what happened this is why i can't you know interfere this is why she's my best friend but i can't let her know that because she will die we set up these stakes of if donna finds out 
about the doctor again, she's going to die. And, you know, pretty high stakes for a character that, for many fans, is beloved. However, the methodology of how it was delivered was a little, I feel bad saying this, hokey. I like it's I can very clearly see this is David Tennant on a green screen. I really wish it was oh, yeah. a little bit better, maybe a little bit more in universe. Like some kind of like I don't know, the doctor sitting in the TARDIS and kind of just reminiscing about Donna and being like, damn, I can't go what is she up to? And then we get like little clips like intermittent clips of her. Something about it just to tie it a little bit better outside of it just being completely separate yeah. from the I actually... He could have been... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead Sorry. Okay. Um, I actually think that it is hokey, but with a touch of manipulative. Um, mm. Usually when we get a new companion to the Doctor, that's the new audience stand-in. And uh, to have an audience stand-in in this episode where we're spending the entire time trying to make sure the companion does not know what's going on is very... Um, it creates too much space between where the audience should see itself inside of it. So by having both of them look deep into your eyes and tell you why this is important and why they each care so much makes you be like, I now am concerned about this girl. And I know now know enough to be kind of in it with her and closer to the doctor than I would be. If I did, if I was just sitting here being like, I too do not know what's going on. I, I really loved Jonah's point, though, and I think my biggest problem with it, then, is probably just the fact that he's standing out here in space, uh, because Donna's not. She's sitting here at her kitchen table with the laptop we're going to see her sitting at later in the episode. So, like, if he... Uh, I, I think they couldn't do it because they didn't want to show Jody's TARDIS interior if the new TARDIS interior was a reveal. Um, but he could have been leaning against the front of the TARDIS door. Like, there are things they could have done that aren't, I'm in front of this nebula. Because, like, I was half expecting anything to, like, pop up in front of this, too. But he's just off-center with this gold blur to emphasize that he's standing alone without his companion. Which, artsy, but the at the expense of what? his companion. I also... Sure. I got to give uh, Russell T. Davies some credit for um, the very smart sort of in-media res appearance of the Doctor at the very start of this episode. Because now at any point, he can write like an entire season if he wants between the last moment in The Power of the Doctor when he realizes that he has regenerated into Jodie Whittaker and yep. when he shows up uh, in this episode. Uh, by putting him in entirely new clothes and not establishing what happened. Was it five minutes? Uh, you know, or did he go on a series of adventures that finally led him to showing up near Donna? Um, There's I, cartoon strips in Doctor Who magazine. But again, that's the whole point of this is it's good to leave a gap. Yeah, and make sure that you can insert stories. Yeah, who knows if those will be valid? Who knows if I'll want to do something else? Yeah. yeah. Now I want to bring us to uh, an unmissable moment in uh, Doctor Whodom. Right. A lot of times, what we sort of forget about movies is like the total amount of time that Pepper is rescue 
in the Avengers films is like, I mean, it's the two O's in goop. It is short as shit. But we all think of it so excitedly as like, oh man, she was Pepper. And then we see her at that moment, like ready to, you know, stand up for the Avengers. She shows up in the blue suit. She looks awesome, right? We love that. The Dr. Donna is actually kind of the same thing. There's really a minute and a half of her. And while this is maybe three and a half minutes of her, it's interesting that this captures the potential promise of a moment from, you know, 10, 15 years ago where they said the Dr. Donna could be the most fascinating thing. And you know why she is? Because she's the doctor, but like sassy. She's not cranky. She's not bitchy. She's sassy. I gave away 166 million pounds. <laughs> frozen, frozen. It's perfect. Click print screen real quick. So, uh, you know, I I just really think that this is such a confrontationally smart way to do things in that we finally get the Dr. Donna and she's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I, I think that that was the promise of, and the real sacrifice of the final episode of, uh, Catherine Tate's run on the show was that you saw that she was finally coming into her own in a way that she could really hack it with the doctor long-term. And then of course we couldn't have it. Um, and I think getting to get back to that was a real treat. I think I was maybe the one thing I was a little disappointed in, despite the fact that I really, like I said, I really liked the idea that they were like, we're not worried about this because we can just let it go. Like you, you have the problem. I loved the idea of that while I might, might not have liked the dialogue, but then I was like, right, but that should happen in episode three of this. Like, give us, give me a whole special where she gets yeah. to be. Um, so, you know, and also where Rose gets to do it, uh, because I think that, you know, I, it just would have been cool to see, but I'm sure the adventures that come from this will be interesting in and of themselves. I also really have to give the hair, makeup and style team some real credit. Uh, Catherine oh Tate left, left Doctor Who to go on the office and was like a cougar. Like she looked so hot on the office and she has stayed like she really like she s decided to like stay super hot she stay and ready she stay ready she didn't have to get ready they had to get her ready to be a kind of frumpy temp from chiswick and i really was like i don't know if this is going to work because Catherine tate is like a babe now and um i really am so impressed that hair is terrible uh all you got to do is, I think, pack a little into the bra and put her in something oh, uh, a little tease loose. it up a little. Yeah. Um, like, let's be mean to the hair. Let's tease yeah. it a little bit. Like, give it, it, give it some, give it some problems in middle school. Do not give it a, a single drink of water. I like that she's kind of dressed like a sexy Freddy Krueger here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all very flowing. So, like, I, I, I you can see under that that she is not uh super big but she looks like a suburban woman who it, it, the, you know they put her in bigger clothes and just said like kind of go with it mm -hmm. and i just think sh they figured out how to make her exactly the donna that she starts as 
when she is first introduced. And that's like very impressive given Catherine Tate's celebrity journey and that that's essentially what we are supposed to see. We're, we're, we're going right back to the beginning with her so the doctor can reveal who she really was. Can we talk about... So obviously this is the more important plot to the entire episode. Can we talk about the minor plot with the whole Meep thing? Oh God, yeah. We uh, can we talk oh. about Miriam Margulies oh. just uh, being an absolute queen? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, is that the <laughs> woman who was... was? She's voicing the Meep. Oh, awesome. She's a she's a British character actor. You maybe have seen the meme where she's like, uh, "Would I rather have bad sex or eat a radish?" While she's eating a radish. <laughs> uh, she was also Lauren Shaney's Smash Game character on UK season two. That's right. Yeah. Mm, uh, she anyway. was Professor Sprout in Harry Potter. There it yeah, is. That there too. it is. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, she's you know, great. The, um, funny Sorry, thing about this and the thing that makes it such a weird choice for this first story back is it's based on a comic book from That's yeah uh, right dave gibbons uh, got a got a credit watchman's dave fucking gibbons and the first thing that my husband did was get up and go figure that out yep <laughs> um so one this meep uh looks like an ii -I, which is a primate that's yeah really bad at being a primate and they have really long fingers um but they have these big old bug eyes because they're nocturnal so I don't like it, but I will say the CGI looks great. It actually looked really good throughout the entire episode. So props mm -hmm. to the um, the CGI department and the CGI team. Especially on when it walked, I thought that looked really yeah. good. It, it uh, almost almost shockingly looked really good, and was like, oh, good for them. They like that. That was where I think a lot of budget went to. And I uh, also really loved these uh, Digimon uh, aliens that were the evil team. I will say, not that it really needed to be that revolutionary in this i don't even want to say concurrent story that was going on while we're kind of really dealing with the main problem of keeping donna unaware so she doesn't die and you know all the revelation of dr donna after that i wish the story was a little bit more interesting it was a little generic and that's fine i think it doesn't need to be we're not trying to overwhelm everybody if this is also supposed to be like a jumping on point for people of like no, hey, i get you if you haven't watched Doctor Who in a while, if you've never seen it, you can start here or something. But the story was like, oh, okay, no. I, I already I saw the twist immediately. And not that it's a bad twist, but it's like, I wish there was a little more originality in what was going on. Yeah. It also, a lot of the climactic stuff with the Meep felt a lot like what they did with the Rachnos from Runaway Bride. Yeah. Like it had that same, mm. like, show up. Everyone, yeah, everyone kind of yell, but also kind of hide from the monster, and then and then we fix it, and then it's gone, and we never hear about it again. And there's times where that feels like thematic, and like you're making it like poetry, and there's times where it just feels like you didn't realize it's kind of the same story structure. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's hard to tell which is which, uh, for sure. I was wondering, speaking of updates, additions, addendum to canons, what specifically everyone thought of the update, uh, the latest update to so the Doctor Who's common piece of tech? Uh, we saw it at first doing all of the normal stuff where it does barbed wire, it does doors, and then we saw him making screens yep. and looking at screens. And then we saw him like making shields and stuff. So like what what do we think of this 
huge sci-fi update, honestly. This can... is sorry, oh, by all means, no. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where I, I, I would like to see some canon here because uh, the Sonic Screwdriver has kind of evolved over time. And it, of course, evolves to suit the plot, and I love that uh, because this is not a serious enough show to, you know, be like, but what are the rules? But I also love a moment where they acknowledge, like, yeah, like, this thing got a little OP in the in the this most recent season, so here's why. Like, when I talk about what happened between the regeneration and the start of this episode, it might be really cool, even just like a series of shorts between seasons uh, to get an idea of what happened such that now it has, you know, screen and shield capabilities, but I like it. It's fun. You know, anything like that, that they choose to do, I think is super fun. Like, I feel like one moment, especially when he's talking about the thing that this sonic screwdriver is most good at is resonating yeah. concrete. Right. That's meant to almost be a direct reference to the 50th anniversary special where there is a whole sequence about the war and 10th and 11th doctors trying to figure out how to make their Sonic learn this subroutine. And it draws attention to the fact that this device and its software is now thousands, even if it is just from the first Hartnell doctor, it's thousands of years old by this point. So like, there's stuff that I, it, it should probably start having updates to. Yeah. And I think the other side of that, and this is just sort of like a Doctor Who exists in a meta-contextual verse of Doctor Who, in that the Avengers films might not appear in Doctor Who, but the people who watch Doctor Who have seen the Avengers films. And if the Doctor yes. Who science technology doesn't come up to meet uh, the basic dumb shit Tony Stark can do, well, then the Doctor actually winds up seeming a little bad at his job. And that's not a result of the universe of Doctor Who advancing. That's a result of the readers of Doctor Who advancing. It's like when you see stuff that came out right when cell phone changeover occurred mm -hmm. and you hear people yeah. talk about it in that way. If Early we didn't supernatural. See, yeah. If we didn't see the Doctor advance his Sonic, I would wonder why he's so bad at his job when the real world is dealing with science a little faster than an AR device. I mean, I'm not sorry, an IR device. Essentially, for the most part, what I understand this thing to be is the same sort of thing that like opens your uh, hotel room door. Uh, so I was really excited to see it do something new. Um, speaking of something new, I just want to give a uh, cyborg uh, a little credit here. If you watch Dr. Yeah. Who Unleashed, meet the, meet the beep, 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 mini beep, beep, do a little beep. Um, it's a cross between well, me... physical puppeteer okay. and CGI. I thought it was because I actually, while it was walking across the little door frame, I was like, this feels like a knee shuffle by by someone in a mocap suit. And so I actually, I was talking with Kevo where I was yeah. like, I think this might be a combo. So I, and yeah, uh, I definitely thought. Yeah, and speaking of combos and evolution, how do you guys feel about the sonic screwdriver? Are you guys, uh, are you driven? Are we up? Are we down? Are you guys driving to Sonic? Are we all going to Sonic after this, you guys? I... Well, Go ahead, Jenna. Oh, I was going to say, I've had uh, In-N-Out Burger for the first time, and now it's my preferred. Ugh. <gasps> Ugh. Our baby has been corrupted. It's fine. Ugh. It's good. 
<laughs> they got good right. burgers. It's but very good burgers. The Sonic Screwdriver. Uh, I think it's cool. It's a cool little nifty, uh, almost MacGuffin at times. It's like, I can do whatever I want with this. And sometimes it just makes a cool noise. And that's kind of just part of the show is that it's not, as TK said, it's not really very strict with the rules. And when you have a device that can just do cool, fun stuff and makes a funny little noise, that's very uh, iconic to it. It's good. I always believe that the doctor never never fixes his screwdriver until someone makes fun of it. Um, so I'm trying to imagine a world where someone makes fun of his song screwdriver right before he shows up. And so that's where my 10 and river fantasies are now going. Um, so that's the what I think. River, I love it. The 10 and river sounds like it absolutely has to be the name of an actual body of water. in the UK. It's just because it, it finally oh, hit me that she's like, Oh, you're in your, you're in this face. And like now that this face is after all the other ones, like she might maybe thought in the silence of the library that she was getting this face and not the face that doesn't know her that looks just like it. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, there's uh, there's so many magical things that happen when a show has been on for so many years that we all get attached to these one little lines. I know that one day TK is going to be masterminding a Marvel crossover and they're going to say, and who's the crux character? He's going to say, oh, it's the Nate Gray Sorcerer Supreme that's in two background panels. So, um, you know, we all get attached to the things we get attached to. So, you know, I just really thought this was such a magical trip. Kevo, what else stood out for you as like, a, you know, our resident doctor? Uh, well, I mean, speaking of, I guess, things that we do and don't get attached to, things that are new, things that are exciting, uh, there is, of course, the excitement of the brand new TARDIS interior that we are all sitting in that I made us backgrounds for. Uh, this was leaked. Ultimately, the almost exact thing was leaked early, which is fine. Uh, I feel like so many of these leaks are on purpose these days where they just want to test temperatures. Um, and... It's gorge. It's huge. It might be one of the biggest on the insides that we have seen in a really long time. Uh, I was uh, I was only a little disappointed until I saw it had colored lights. But uh, I, I don't know. What do we think? Is it too is it too medical? No, it's fantastic. This is I love it. This is the dream, man. I think this is great. Uh, if the whole world were a teacup, it would be this, but upside down. Yeah, it's it's like living inside of a disco ball. What more could yeah. you possibly want? <laughs> Except maybe stairs that go directly to places as opposed to swinging halfway around it to get you there. But there's ramps. And uh, for a yeah. season that is very about understanding, you know, the, the needs of the disabled community to be showcased uh, more attractively. Uh, and I mean that, you know, everybody else gets to be like, ah, I don't like how that guy's being shown. Show him that. Maybe we can do that for everybody now. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, yeah. for a season that has shown Davros walk good because not all people like, and you know, I'm not going to get into it. I, I have an invisible disability. And anytime somebody tries to fight me on this, I'm like, fine, you wake up unable to walk for a couple of days and then we'll have the same conversation then. No problem. But, uh, you know, the other side of it is these ramps represented a subtle change in the imprinting of how Doctor Who was designed and curated. This wasn't a change for simply aesthetic purposes. This was a change that was done in the planning of a building, in the planning of creating a set this was an intentional moment designed 
to represent the needs of a community. I love this TARDIS because now if somebody in a wheelchair or on a cane winds up with the doctor, they don't have to be afraid that the doctor thinks too little of them to make it possible for them to be in the TARDIS. And I think having a character in a wheelchair in the same episode where the ramps are revealed, for one thing, uh, just it's great all around. Uh, that character is awesome and a very uh, campy Russell T. Davies character in a way that's super fun. The The yeah. devices flicking out of the wheelchair looks so uh, low budget, but in that practical effects way where like i would hate it more if it looked so perfect because it was all done with perfect cgi uh, yeah. exterminators whiz kid inferno mini yeah um so you know that that character shows up and just kind of i think really steals the show in a lot of ways um and then to get into the tardis and see that like oh she could go right into the tardis if she wanted for one i feel like that is the first subtle hint that that's probably going to happen yeah. Uh, and to, uh, just, it's great. It's just, you know, put a big old smile on my face. I think it's really funny that I've already seen people giving criticism about that moment where that young woman crossed her legs in her wheelchair. Like she's some kind of baker when that's not how wheelchairs work. That's not nope. how accessibility works. No, nope. she is a real wheelchair user. Uh, nice try though. But uh, she seems awesome, and I really, I, I love exactly what you said. She seems like a classic uh, recurring RTD character mm. right away, who I hope we get to see have some crossover between uh, this era and what comes next. I believe Russell has already said that he wants to keep working and bringing back Rose because he loves Yasmeen Finney so much. Uh, yeah. We loved her when she was a judge on Drag Race. Uh, so I'm really excited to see more of her. Um, oh. I'm excited to see. Go ahead. I just realized, so Billy Piper was Rose, and then there was Bill, and now Yaz is playing Rose, and there was a Yaz. That's very funny. Uh, Bill was sort of named for Billy Piper because at the time, Moffat thought of that, like a woman being named specifically Bill and referred to as Bill, I think. Something like that. Who knows? It was a million years ago now. Um, but yeah, she was definitely a huge highlight for me in this, uh, Rose, uh, and Yasmin, who I love in Heartstopper. I, I love Heartstopper a lot. I think it is, uh, very charming and sweet and she is a big part of that. Um, but I thought it was a really great character. I think, you know, I don't think any of the writing, uh, around, uh her issues as a trans person was literary but i also think it was really like if this is a kid show and not even if this is a kid show if this is an all ages show yeah uh, did a phenomenal job that moment there is nothing i think more of a bomb for older people i kind of more older americans even than older british people who will watch this show than the moment between donna and her mother uh talking about how they you know accidentally you know how uh they don't know quite what to say to rose all the time they don't always get it right um 
it was just such a you know I, I think so many parents feel that way uh, but we often have this moment in American shows where they try and do that and then somebody says like you've never made a mistake in your life when you misgender your child it's not your fault and you're just a great parent uh and it just it kind of it gives everybody you know you then go on forums and people are like yeah i don't need to worry about that like i'm 54 and i'm set in my way so my child has to deal with it and nobody learns anything and i just thought this was such a nice moment of them being like it's you know nobody's going to jail over this but like just tell her you love her that's all that's all that matters and Uh, i feel like so many people come at it with this attitude of well i don't know what i'm doing and i think yeah. sylvia yeah. presented very well as frustrated but not angry and right. i feel like so many people want to be you know the reason that that is the response you often see is you've never done anything wrong is that's what people want to hear right exactly is, no you 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 did can and will get it wrong and you're learning but you yeah. don't get to get angry and frustrated with the fact that this is hard and and the other person also needs patience for the fact that you are going to take time to learn as long as you are learning and the person you're learning for is patient, then, you know, everybody's going to be fine. And I love that. She said, should I have called her beautiful? I never did that before. Or Um, or sexual harassment, because it is so many conflicting issues that aren't just gender. There's so many conflicting things today. And I yeah. think this, that is, that was a really sweet, because, you know, that's a compliment. That's a very sweet, to tell somebody they're beautiful is a compliment. But it's true. You don't do that to boys. And that's a that's a perfectly fine issue in which nobody seems like a dick. Uh, and I just, it was, you know, I, like I said, not written with all of the grace of uh, a fine novel, but not really, I think, what this show has ever offered uh has ever claimed to offer and i kind of think a lot of times not really what people need um so you know i think i i hope that all the people that use the word woke are mad about this episode and these characters uh because that means everybody's doing it right you know and i think the main thing here that i I don't know. The problem is we're talking about aliens. We're talking about a show where there's a guy who goes around to planets and says, these people are disadvantaged and they need to be protected. And the audience is going, yeah, so it's a very good, very good thing. Yeah, do that to the doctor. Very good. And then when it comes time to do that for other human beings, it's like, you're too different than me. I don't know about you, but I have one motherfucking heart and it actually just beats for everyone. Um, And so in that way, the doctor isn't like me, even if he looks like me, I feel like this idea that we need to be able to relate to somebody because they're exactly like us on every level, straight white male or whatever version of it. It really limits the ability of sci-fi to be fiction. Uh, because fiction really does respond to the culture it's you know it's interactive with and when you only allow one voice one perspective in the world not one person ever not that all people who look the same have one voice but when you take away the possibility of being different from any role companion doctor child it's just an unfair injustice to the work. And if you don't see it that way, you never loved the work. You just love yourself and mirrors of yourself. 
So For sure. yep. yeah. 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 Agreed. I don't know. This the, there were so many points that touched me with the way that Donna and Rose and Donna's mother all interact together uh that I just found so sweet and so charming and so affirming uh for so many. Um and I know that this is a a, a personal crusade of of David Tennant's as well. So it was just exciting for me to see it so written so plainly and largely for all to see. And, you know, I think one of the things that's just like, and I'm trying to find a way to put it, uh, trans people are here, you know, uh, it's, it's what it is. It's the world and it's not, it's not changing. People are people. It's that. And so uh, I was really glad that we were seeing that sort of evolution here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jonah, you know, go. I was no, going to say, Jonah, Jonah. Uh, I would love to know your take as the person who is, we're going to say closest in age to Rose. Uh, I, to Rose. Yeah, Rose. Okay, good for me. I was like, oh, gosh, no, it's Bill. No, it's Rose. I was like, wait, which young woman? <laughs> which woman? <laughs> which young woman companion that we're talking about? Uh, but Rose, thank you. So I think the character of Rose herself is a good character, has enough going for her that she feels a little bit flushed out. I sometimes felt like the people around Rose didn't fully act like people, if that makes sense. It's uh, it's kind of weird that they're kind of having this conversation, like, now. As, like, this, maybe this was a conversation that should have had happened beforehand, that they talked about things. And it, it does feel a little poignant in a good way, but just a little, like, well... I treat my trans daughter the best because she's the best and beautiful. And I respect that. And I really do love that mentality, but it doesn't feel human. It feels like you you want to make your point, And it's a point I want that, that I want to be made. I just wish it came across a little more naturally. And I would probably I use think... the word natural over the word human, because my parents literally used to say, we're going to be the best damn parents to a gay kid. Yeah. Ever. Like literally, you know, I I definitely think what you're saying speaks to a lot of what we said about the clunkiness of Russell T. Davis's writing in general. Um, I took that scene as that's probably the 50th conversation they have had like that in the last six months. Um, that that is just what people of that generation uh, talk like, what their fears are, how they are afraid of getting it wrong. Um, you know, I just, I keep seeing so many criticisms and feedbacks that are just, there aren't even real criticisms. Like, calling it Dr. Woke is not a real criticism. Uh, Thank you for the compliment. You know, I mean, for one thing, but also, like, just some of the extra reactions to the idea of dialogue is not executed perfectly, perfectly in a situation where the messaging is um, political is that like, I think of reactions that I saw to the line Black Girl Magic from the Marvel and calling that stupid. And I think if it was a man saying to another man, nut up, and that worked, guys would cheer. That's great. That's hilarious. Why is it different for people of color? Why is it different for... It's, it's exactly like TK said. We are allowed to be hokey. We are allowed to be cringe. It's no different than if Rose was uh, cis female, uh, assigned female at birth, all those things, and was just being bullied for being odd. 
the dialogue or, wouldn't be that different. It just wouldn't be about. It would probably about her being mixed race, which is something they didn't touch on that they really could have because that's still an issue. I never hear people ever say mm, the way they talked about PTSD for that sh- for that soldier was hokey. Yes, even yeah. though every depiction it's of not PTSD different. in movies and television is completely wrong, makes stuff up, invents things that I hear. Oh. Service animals are for veterans with PTSD. No, service animals are for people who need service animals. You're wrong. But mm-hmm. also, I always hear stuff like, oh, well, he he saw his friend go that way in the war. That, no, that's horrible dialogue. But because it's about a bro, it's different. And I just yeah. really think that is what we're hitting. It's not. So um, I want to do a final call. On uh, Doctor Who, not that it wasn't an amazing time, but uh, this is the first of three specials, followed by a fourth special, followed by a series. So it kind of feels like we're going to have a lot of opportunities to talk about a lot of doctors and a lot of companions. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I would love to get Tori, you know, um, there are a lot of amazing things you do in the world of the arts. And there's a lot of ways you are, you know, that bitch. But uh, Mm -hmm. I don't believe you join us. That's a good thing. Uh, I don't believe you join us for uh, Doctor Who. Right, I'm mean, sorry, Jesus. For uh, I saw the uh, the TARDIS okay. come fly this way uh, for Drag Race. So uh, no, I do not. <laughs> uh, I do believe we are going to be saying uh, farewell to you. But this was an amazing second episode in a single weekend with you. I feel so uh, overwhelmed with luck. Oh, I too have. Oh, I always enjoy coming in. So when Kel was like, "You want to join?" I was like, "Yeah, sure. Let's let's do this." So thank you for having me. someday someday I'll get into Drag Race. I presume. Some um, eventually. I mean, oh. it's it's never been more inclusive. There's a there. Literally, we are seeing the a, German winner, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very exciting. And this I keep I keep up with it. I have a lot of people who put their opinions on their Instagram stories. Well, uh, it has been an honor to have you here. What is your parting words for us about the Doctor Donna and her dynamic return? The Dr. Donna is such a wonderful uh, part of season four and for fandom as a whole. The, uh, you know, whenever whenever a companion kind of ascends into the power level close to the doctor, it's always very exciting because this is like peak wish fulfillment. It's not just someone taking you away and showing you everything. Now you get to be it on your own too. So uh, I was always excited to see what would happen. And I just, I love these two together. I saw behind the scenes stuff of when they were filming these, the pickup for top of this one. And yeah. I just find them to be a delight. I'm probably going to watch that much ado about nothing starring tenant and, and Tate real soon. Oh my God. I need to watch it. Finally. Oh yeah. I need to watch it. I need to yeah. watch it. There's so two. Um, I need to watch more. Yeah. So I don't, his Hamlet is wonderful, of course, um, but not for everyone. Um, so yeah, so I'm excited. I know I'm excited for these two. I'm excited to have more Dr. Donna. I've never, I, this really reignited a want to go back and get started again on watching everything more than almost anything else has even the announcement of a, of a female doctor. So I am amped and excited and can't wait. You know, something, something I keep seeing that's funny too is, you know, uh, as much as I feel bad when people keep saying Doctor Who is back, I feel bad for Chibnall or uh, Sigun Akinola, who I thought was an amazing composer whenever I people see people being like, Murray Gold is back, yay! But I also keep seeing, like, 
I haven't loved Doctor Who this much since the end of time. And I'm like, oh, there's a lot of people who really, really mean not since 2009. Wow. It's really all across the board. Okay. So, yeah, yeah a lot, a lot. It's drawing a lot of I people mean, back for the first time. There was, there was a serious point where I was very much thinking of giving up on Doctor Who after Tenant's departure that I just was not interested in what Matt Smith had to offer and I was out. Um, but then I think they, uh, they started showing the trailers for season six and I was like, Oh, river songs around more. All right, fine. <laughs> we know so, where your heart lies. So I get it. I do understand the people who like pieced out and really like snip snipped after, after tenant or just a, a little bit into Matt Smith. And a lot of people found Capaldi too old to care about, which is unfortunate in my personal opinion, as that is the most I ever like Clara. The most I like Matt Smith is with Clara. The most I like Clara is with 12. That is so. a very funny chain of sequence. Uh, it really so. is. <laughs> All right, well, well. Uh, thank you for joining us, of course. And uh, we will probably have you back for more Doctor Who coverage, of course, as we, uh, yeah. as, as this story develops. So, Thank you. I didn't know if he, there he is. I didn't know there if he's he coming is. back in before you jump off. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost accidentally hit remove Tori instead of add Nico. It was a it's fine. It's fine. We were basically well, she's done. About to, so goodbye, friends. Goodbye. Thank you, Tori. And don't forget to follow Tori over at SM Tori on all the socials. And we will see her again. Oh, so soon. Oh, so and, soon. Uh, oh, so soon. And now uh, we go to a topic that is. At this point, unbelievably Doctor Who adjacent for so many reasons, uh, which is a regular point of coverage for us, which is uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay. But there were so many drag races this week. Let's stay on this side of the pond first. Oh, yeah, because we actually didn't do Grand Slam when we knew Jonah couldn't be caught up on everything in time. Oh, okay. We didn't do Grand Slam. Honestly, like, it's... there. It, we could talk about it in five minutes. It's cute, but it's once you, we talked about the concept last week, which, so go watch last Sundays where we, where we just talk about the idea of it. This is literally the exact same thing all the way through with two different people. So all there is to say is, Oh, those two people. Oh, who won the look? Uh, episode so over. Let's, let's let that accumulate a little exactly. Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. All right. Good call, so let's start with UK drag race. Uh, this season okay this was the roast and i want to say that i thought every single person did exactly what i thought or much 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 better um i expected that i I guess everybody did at least a little better than i thought they would no matter what um even kate butch from the audience um i thought truly not even based on the fact that I like one of them more than the other. Because I probably like them about the same. I thought Dee Dee was funnier than Tamara. I thought that Tamara went for that weird AAVE voice thing that makes me very uncomfortable. Um, if for no other reason, there's so much talk about how orange she is. And that's not a term you use for a person of color. So I just I wonder a little bit about the optics on some of that performativeness. Um Dee Dee was a little too vicious, actually, was sometimes it wasn't roasting. It was just coming for people, which I thought was great. And uh, I, I don't know. 
I really thought the problem with this episode was not the roast. The roast was great. Right. Uh, so what? So what was the problem? Just real quick. There's no narrative. There yeah, is okay. no narrative. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Dee Dee was not going to come along. Right. Obviously, right. Tamara is a personal favorite. Yeah. Um, there were some weird beats in there, but end of the day, there was no narrative. This was just everybody send Dee Dee home and stare at her weird breastplate. Yeah. Um. I yeah. That's that is basically exactly it, and that's that has been a brewing issue for three ish weeks now. Uh, because Dee Dee keeps not winning challenges and keeps not going home, even though she keeps not being so great, even in that lip sync, uh, that she sent, you know, in any of the lip syncs where she won, I just keep thinking, right, but the other girl has a better track record and didn't do that badly in the lip sync that we need to keep saving Dee Dee. It really felt like we need to have Dee Dee in the top four to be able to go home to have this be the top three and between that and the weird judging these last few weeks where uh just they will say two people who did not do that great did great uh rather than just saying like you you did fine whatever it's it's just been very odd um i i do don't feel michael maruli won uh no, at all michael maruli did tell me in my opinion the the best joke since uh jinx monsoon and the cocaine joke though what ginger johnson triple threat triple badge winner triple heart bypass i thought that actually was... can i can i add oh. i thought the funnier part of that was her saying and i'm not going to sugarcoat this because i know you would eat that too yes that part oh, was, was funnier so because much that was much more unexpected to me as opposed to the triple bypass joke which i i once i knew when she was saying triple i was like okay she's gonna make a bypass joke oh i see i thought she was gonna say like you know triple xl fat bitch because uh like i just a heart bypass is like did ginger have a heart bypass I don't know. I don't know, but probably. But uh, I want to pass on that heart look of Ginger. Ding. I no ding. Ding for me. Uh, Okay, so I have two tinfoil hat theories. Yeah, there there are two separate tinfoil hat theories. Number one, the reason why Dee Dee was around for so long, besides being a pretty good lip syncer, and I want to give Dee Dee credit there. Dee Dee was on Crystal Versace's Wow Show, that is currently also like it was also kind of like being promoted. A little bit partially during the season and it dd's eliminated earlier it discredits a lot more of that show which they can't have they can't I, crystal is already a contentious winner in the tur- in the drag race oeuvre where people are a little bit wary of how crystal won and you have someone that's close to crystal not do well it makes you look kind of bad so can i ask so like you know to get your perspective and like really make sure i follow it's almost like they were trying to make sure they, you know, Pangina is, you know, no matter what she is, is such a goddess, like end of the day, it's not going to discredit Drag Race Philippines that she didn't do better. But who the Thailand, fuck is, Thailand thank you so much. Um, uh, but it, we just started Philippines, which uh, was wild. Um but uh, so, you know, I, I find myself sort of like, are, are you saying that 
they were afraid that DD does not have enough, nor does Crystal, brand cash that they could survive DD going home second. Yes, but I, I, there, I'm hesitant to confirm. And again, tinfoil hat theory. We're going to put the tinfoil hat on and be conspiracy theorists, just in the fun way, not in the, you know, way. There have been plenty of people who do well because of a previous connection to a winner but we also have had it where their connection to a winner doesn't serve them anything looking at season 13 kimura hall was eliminated first and she was she was drag sisters with jada essence hall who just won so it's not always you know dahlia sin Sin. (laughs) anybody who goes home first on an all-stars like literally someone's got to go home first and uh sometimes being connected isn't enough no and it's just one of those things where i look at because unless they were that afraid of certain people making it farther that they couldn't have this narrative i don't know do i know if drag race always exactly pre-plans everything no they like to have a little bit of wiggle room I don't know if Ginger Johnson was initially their pick for the winner, but Ginger Johnson smashing so many challenges, you kind of have to reward her a little bit and be like, well, damn, we do have to give her a winner's edit at some point. We have to make her seem like she can win this. Michael Marulli, I think, was a little bit of a safer bet. Michael, you know, being around being around and established, has multiple talents, can kind of move, can dance, move around. It, there's a lot there that's like, okay, that makes sense to me. Tamara, RuPaul, you know, pisses herself every time Tamara opens her mouth and we don't see her teeth. It, <laughs> it's fine i i think they were a little bit worried of someone like caramel or kate butch making it to the finale because then it's less plausible that you can kind of cut them based off their talents caramel being able to lip sync and dance pretty well kate butch being hysterical do i think kate butch would have been a better pick for this roast absolutely but since kate butch isn't representative of what they were looking for at this time and they didn't you know you can't really crown kate butch Kate Butch is funny and did well in challenges, but she was not Jinx Monsoon, who was dominating challenges and still had bad runways. Mm. Kate Butch is doing good to great, but was really bad runways. I mean, like Hindenburg disasters. A couple of times. So Lots it's, of rich people blowing up. So I don't think that... Like I said, not everything is always going to be pre-planned, but they have an idea of who they really want to make it farther. That's why you'll see people get pushed a little bit. That's why you'll see people get maybe challenge wins or top placements that you're like, I don't know if they really deserve that. And that's just part of the show. It's really, as we talk about all the time, it's RuPaul's show. RuPaul will pick, pick, picks who she wants. Yep. And like, the, you can talk about the sanctity or the fairness or whatever. It's a reality competition show. Well, there's very few reality competition shows that have the sanctity and the fairness of, you know, just letting the showcase the talent be the talent. I And my thing with Didi is not that it's, I'm upset that it wasn't fair. It's more just that she bored me the entire time. Uh, I would have rather saved Caramel and had Caramel go home fourth uh, because... Caramel obviously wasn't doing that great. No. Uh, and could not win. No. Uh, but Caramel to me was doing better than Didi. Caramel was impressing me more than Didi. Caramel uh is a is a tough I know I'm making a tough argument here because Caramel came in 
behaving like a Sasha Colby type, like a I'm I'm gonna sweep this and didn't. And so that looks really, really bad, where Dee Dee, I think, just kind of was middling to me the whole time. But I would have rather seen Caramel in the top four. I would have and... rather seen Caramel in this fucking episode. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, um, I assume I assume that was health-related, whether mental or physical. Yeah. Um, I mean, what a queen. I, I, just, yeah. I hope she has a very long career. I do, too. And I think she will. Uh, but I really... Kate... You make a good argument, Jonah, insofar as like Kate probably would have destroyed this challenge. And I think one of the weird things about Drag Race lately that they really have stopped making it as clear that if you do great in the challenge and tank the runway, you can still be up for elimination. It used to be in like up through like the nines, tens. It would regularly happen that they would be like, yeah, you know, they they said I did really well in the challenge, but they hated my life. I feel like Aja is somebody who I can think of who on more than one occasion they were like, yeah, you did great in the challenge, but your Aja, look is absolute garbage. Aja, just so you know, the way you're converting oxygen into carbon dioxide. It's gross we and we hate you for it. it. You yeah. need to go. Um, and I liked that out because it's not 100% invalid. Um, and it does give you some wiggle room when somebody does well in the challenge to be like, yeah, there's more than one part to this. And I just feel like now if somebody comes out not looking that great, which is a very common thing to happen, but they do well in the challenge, uh, you have to, it's like weird to be like, you're in the bottom because this outfit is so bad. Uh, but I liked that. I liked those days. Those were good days. Uh, I like to have options that feel... I like something that I can point to either way. And a lot of times with how Drag Race is now, all I'm pointing to is gaslighting. All I'm pointing to is like, well, uh, this person did great and I laughed the most in the challenge, but then Rue and Michelle just said they did bad a whole bunch. Uh, yeah, Uh Two points to what you're talking about. One, cue in the season five clip of Alyssa being in the bottom for just singing poorly because she can't sing well. Right, it's not, a, right. It's not a, like a dig at Alyssa. It's like she was literally placed at the bottom because her singing was that bad that they were like, you gave it a character, but that that, that, that save you enough? And it's like, I, well, some people can't sing. That's a, that's a talent that not everybody has. Gosh. It's not but, like Rue has it. Yeah, and it's not quite the same as sewing, where, like, yeah, okay, you can probably learn how to passably make a dress, but yeah. some people cannot passably learn how to sing. No. So also, I... Drag Race does not prepare you for the idea that you might sing. No. Yeah. Uh, there are plenty of seasons where there's no singing challenge. There are plenty of seasons where they do want you to sing. You also of... can go through your whole career and not sing and do really great. You kind of should be around the construction of an outfit i'm not saying you have to know to have, to have to have gone through fashion school but you should be all set to take care of your garments as needed i don't think you should have to be able to sing agree um second point second tinfoil hat theory there is this funny kind of curse on the uk seasons where the queens who win four challenges don't take the season. Yeah. In season two and season three, this happened. The person who had the most challenge wins, Bimini Bamboulash, or Bimini now, and uh, Ella Viday both had four challenge wins and did not win the season. This is only contradicted by season three, uh, four because both Daddy Beard and Cheddar Gorgeous had four challenge wins. So one of them was going to win <laughs> compared to, uh, to the other two. They kind of just dragged to the finale. 
do I, I don't think Ginger specifically threw this challenge to not get a fourth win so that we could plausibly crap someone. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's very funny how yeah. arguably Ginger's maybe material might have been a little bit better, but a lot of the cards, they really do ding you for the cards. I also, uh, for people, not to like steal other, you know, podcasts and other content creators, um, was recently listening to um, Race Chaser and Peppermint talked about for that roast on season nine, they took the cards away and then shuffled them. Right, yep. I don't know if that happened here. I yeah. do not know. I, the, yeah. the, I'm just saying they've messed with the cards before. Yeah. Uh, all of that is to say, uh, as soon as this episode started, I said to myself, okay, I'm going to predict what happens. Tamara and Didi are either going to do okay or they're going to really bomb it. And Michael and Ginger are going to do really, really well. And one of the two is going to win. Or one of them's going to really bomb after expecting to do well. And they'll be the bottom. But they're going to be saved. And Dee Dee will go home. Yeah. And that's what happened this episode. If you had one more more, it was going to be a men's warehouse commercial. You can get three suits or... It was a very predictable episode. And to talk about what Nico was talking about earlier, there was no narrative to this episode. Yeah. This episode felt like a formality of just saying, Dee Dee. Formality. You didn't really do bad. I will say, and I want to give credit to all these talented women and all of these girls. For a main series, Drag Race Roast, considerably one of the better roasts. Yeah. Arguably the best roast where nobody yeah. did horrid or was cringy or uncomfortable well that also yeah. helps that there were only four of them yeah you uh, would, although you'd and be i also surprised. think that was <laughs> you'd I, be surprised i think that was ill-advised i think i didn't like that it was just four um i even five uh, yeah uh, um, that does make it light i thought yeah. you were saying dd didn't do bad in general because i wanted to point to the point that i made last week which was that she already had how many uh time spent on the bottom and put in the lip sync and i was making the point i think they are either dragging her to the finale or and now here we are and now instead uh the only person who's going to the finale who hasn't done a lip sync is ginger yes and drag race does this often they will take people a little bit farther than you might expect them so they can place them in the bottom to eliminate key people there have been really talented lip syncers who, not to discredit how bad or good they do in, in the competition, but will make it just a little bit farther as a term of safety in case they need to specifically send someone home. They'll put them in the bottom together. And it's, okay, you know that they can send them home. You don't have to worry about it. Um, they're very particular about bottom placements and lip syncing, a la season eight when Naomi eliminated the pretty much person who could have been a front runner or was doing well at that point, Acid Betty. Naomi completely changed, that's twice that Naomi completely changed the game in the entire series that she's been a part of. Um, but when she was placed in the bottom and absolutely kind of destroyed Acid Betty, it was like, oh, we can't really do that anymore. We have to be very protective of the people we want to see go far. And, you know, I think all said and done, we're at the end of maybe feels like a like a slower season you know kevo this is your fourth season of drag race uk in a year fifth fifth sixth because this is five plus uk versus the world you know kevo we've watched four again Ugh. we've watched a lot you know 
how do you feel about this round of girls? You know, we've made a lot of comments about this movie doesn't feel like the best season, even if there are still phenomenal girls. I feel like it's just shaken out in such a weird pattern as well. But then when I look back on girls that were eliminated earlier, I'm like, eh, would I have wanted to keep many of these for much longer than I did? Naomi. Uh, it's about the only one I'm looking at out of this on, <laughs> on this roster that I'm like, oh, shit, she was great. I might have enjoyed um, the the oh, what's the the. Uh... The the, the SPD, one? the one that they kept making fun of how sexually aggressive she Banksy? was. Banksy? No, um, Michael Marulli's best friend. Vicky. Oh, Vicky. Oh, Vicky Vivacious. Every joke was that Vicky is a humongous whore who can't close her legs. And uh, mm. I thought that was fine. Um, but what I thought that Vicky provided was kind of like, I don't think that Dee Dee made the most compelling um, alternate for not going home every week. I could have seen Vicky live in the bottom for three weeks a little more likably than Dee Dee. I completely agree. And now I wish I'd seen it even more because actually the one thing that we got this episode of note was the stupidest fight of Ever. all time. Yep. Uh, where <laughs> I mean, like I just sometimes with these UK girls, I really just, it's not even their fault. I mean, maybe it is their fault, but like, I really just want to go to the producers and be like, stop. They're British. It's different for them. Stop making them do American things like randomly. Like Vicky is not candy muse. Her randomly yelling at somebody and being like, I didn't like you. Holding a grudge from episode one for something she was not involved in whatsoever was bizarre. And in the entire shit. No, 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 no. I'm only going to say it's bizarre because she, A, wasn't, like, she wasn't involved. She didn't, like, go over to, as far as we are aware, didn't go over to, like, comfort Alexis, didn't, like, yeah. scold Dee Dee in the moment. None she of and Alexis happened. weren't friends. Like, and then to kind of be like, I didn't like your attitude and I haven't liked you since the, since the first week was, it's like, but okay, you do you want to, like, bring that up at any point else where it will Completely be interesting? Completely unhinged. <laughs> it is all uh, unhinged. And I... I really, I, I remember seeing a clip of it and being like, oh man, Caramel's going to slap her across the face. Cause I was sure that's who she was talking to. And right. I wasn't super paying attention to the episode. And that was the moment at which I was like, well, how's Caramel going to react? Wait, why is Dee Dee saying something? What is Caramel? Th- oh, Caramel's not here. Oh, she's talking to Dee. What? Who cares about this? Um, and because the Dee Dee thing, Dee Dee was the only person, or uh, Caramel was the only person when she le- when Vicky left, and she was like, she better not have been talking about me with that. Uh, Hope most of you do well thing. Um, that was like the only indication of any kind of bad blood for Vicky. So yeah. anyway, it was just really out of nowhere. Uh, I don't care about Vicky. I would have been completely happy to see her in the bottom more. Um, and again, we got the weird reference to like Michael Maruli, the thousand year old drag queen who uh, has been doing this forever, which no longer can she hold that title. Oh, we're going to no. we're going to get to it. The person who absolutely deserves to talk like that, but doesn't. So um, and then uh, did was do I remember I should have rewatched it. Did RuPaul give Ginger Johnson the um, I'm RuPaul and I think you're amazing speech. I don't know. I couldn't tell what RuPaul was saying with Tamara's dick in her mouth. 
I think that did happen. I think because I was like, I I had said the episode before that nobody has gotten that moment from RuPaul since Sasha Colby. And I actually think she did say it to Ginger. And that's when I was like, oh, Ginger's probably going to win. Uh, we we I very surprised we did not get you were born to do drag. Yeah, we well, didn't get anybody next... who was born to do drag this season. Well, next week we see their families. I think because everybody's oh, God. sobbing hysterically in the preview clip. Oh yeah. So uh, maybe we find out some of them were literally born to do drag. I created you, or adopted. Oh, oh. that's that's the, that's the kind of reveal we really want. Yeah. So does anybody have any parting shots on uh, what was just kind of like? Probably also the reunion for, you know, yeah, UK yeah, that's, yeah, that is that's all they're getting. Um, my only parting thought is I'm weirdly rooting for Ginger. Uh, I feel now I realize I blame the edit much more than I blame Ginger for not being super excited about her. But I did really think she won this challenge by a mile. Uh, I was very charmed by her. And then uh, I, I was like, well, Ginger won. And that's a ton of wins. And, uh, you know, I, I strong champion here. And then she didn't win. And I was like, well, now I'm angry and strong champion and she better win the whole show. So that's where I'm at now. Uh, it absolutely can't be Tamara. And I'm, I'm no. sorry. I'm, I'm too mean to Michael, but Michael just irks me, man. Michael Maruli. I don't know. So uh, as we go into the finale, I look back at the season and I look back to episode one and how excited we were over Tickety Boo. And (laughs) it really felt like, oh, these girls came to just have a good time. They're not really taking this at like they're not. It's not the hyper competitiveness you see on the American seasons. They're just there to have fun and collect a badge and up their rate. They were they were and it was a good time. And then as the episode started to trickle, I feel like the season kind of dipped because any kind of beef that anybody ever had was squashed immediately at the beginning of the next episode or at the end of the episode. So we're not really carrying any kind of tension or conflict going into the next episode. So there's not really a lot of story. We're kind of getting almost episodic episodes as opposed to an overall narrative. Serialized thing. Yeah. Yeah. We're not getting serialized. We're getting episodic. And that's fine. That I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I don't know if it's as compelling to keep me engaged as a viewer as opposed to something that's serialized where it's like, well, I have to know what happens. I don't really feel that way. I personally, if it's not going to be all three lip syncing, I think it's going to be Ginger versus Michael at this point. I don't really know if Tamara, as much as RuPaul loves her, I don't know if RuPaul's like, oh, I'm going to crown you. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it is going to be between the two of them, which is fine. I like them both enough. Um, I'm personally rooting for the ginger win. I just wish the show gave ginger a better edit to be like, no, she actually is a threat. I feel like they keep trying to make it be like, but no, but she's not really that. Like she's not really that, you know, competitive. It's ginger won three weeks in a row. And has been in the top three weeks in a row. And it's that thing where they're telling us that she is more dowdy and deserve and undeserving than she actually is. It's the Janie Briggs complex of like, please don't tell me Ginger's going to take off her glasses next week and be beautiful because she's not that kind of a train wreck where I actually think that she is in any way in kind of a disadvantage against the other queens. It's something we see a lot where like they try to convince us that somebody is not fit or not attractive uh, because they are close enough to fit or attractive that they're maybe not one of the popular sluts club kids, 
but they're like still in like the cool hot kids that are getting it. You know what I mean? The first thing I said when we saw Ginger was, wow, what a handsome man outside of drag. Uh, and obviously nobody can come for tomorrow's body, you know, and Michael Maruli, uh, you know what? Let's just say Michael Maruli survived the original bubonic plague, according to this show. So, but again, the, the oldest contestant in Canada is now 57. So everybody can fucking, I think that's the oldest contestant in the world, in the franchise, Mm -hmm. oldest contestant in the history of the franchise at 57. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. I'm stoked to talk about. So, all right. Uh, final. I actually hope it goes to Michael Maruli. Um, only because I don't think Ginger won everything they gave her. And I don't love Tamara's style, even though I think she's talented. Michael just feels like um like a Lon Chaney kind of win. Uh oh, I'm sorry, wait. It's uh what is it? Lawrence Cheney. Lawrence Cheney, right. Lon Cheney was in the monster movies. So Can I can I slightly counter that? I think they gave Ginger win some of the wins that arguably could have gone to somebody else, but then there are times where I really thought she should have won and then they didn't give her the win. So yeah. it was like the it balance all balances react. out. All right. Uh so who Jonah, your win pick? Oh, uh, Ginger. All right, TK. Ginger. Ginger, Kevo. Ginger. All right, well, I'm by myself. So, uh, all right, good luck, Ginger. Good luck, Michael uh, Morley. And none for tomorrow, Thomas. Bye. You know, uh, I think that Michael is a close one for me as well. Uh, my pick is probably still Ginger, but yeah, the consensus among this group is uh, not tomorrow, Thomas. So tune in next week for us all eating crow when Rue crowns Tamara Thomas. For real. Uh, for real, for real. You heard it here first. Uh, maybe we're wrong. You never know. Maybe in the end, it actually will end up being Kate Butch. I was going to make the joke of Kate Butch. All right. Thanks. Let's, uh, let's, let's move continents, right? So, uh, Jonah, are you really okay with spoilers? Uh, because they are this early on, I'm okay with talking about Canada uh, for audience sake. I haven't been I, because I was traveling and I was on vacation. I didn't get a chance to watch the uh, the episodes of Canada season four yet. However, and... I'm happy to talk about it. I mean, the, the good, the, the good, you know, surprising news from the first episode, which is not that surprising, is that not much to spoil. Yeah, and you know, this sort of took us by surprise, Amanda, and came up really fast, so I don't have my whole board ready for us to go, so there's no visual spoilers here. Uh, We're going to talk a few of the finer points, but uh, I imagine we are going to be a lot more vividly and voraciously prepared to start covering Canada next week uh, with the end of UK, so that's where we are going to be shifting our attention going forward. I want to say first off, the major change to format this season mm. is a magical item called the golden beaver, which allows the winner of the maxi challenge, the power to pick one of the three bottoms to save from having to lip sync for their life. And that is truly game changing in it's every a new mechanic. Way. It is an unbelievably cool new mechanic. Um, you know, it's kind of like Power of Veto and HOH 
and they made them pick these little cubicle areas where they're going to keep all of their stuff together. And so it actually kind of feels a little bit like Project Runway picking the tables. And this does not feel like a season of Drag Race. This feels like a season of Drag Olympics. Mm. And uh, I just want to say, Kit and Caboodle, my God, woman, you are an absolute fucking superstar for the ages. And uh, Kiki Ko is so gorgeous. I don't want to talk about it. Um, I completely agree. Kitten Caboodle, uh, I immediate visceral reaction again, coming off of this Michael Marulli thing and a few other Queens over the last like five or six years, especially where it's just like, like even somebody like mayhem who I really do like, and I'm not coming too hard at her for this, but just this idea of like, it's my time. I've been doing this forever. And like, you know, mayhem, I really am going to rib a little bit. Cause it's like, girl, you're like 26. And I know it's probably been a long time. It's been 10 years, whatever. I'm not saying you're inexperienced. Uh, this, dude has been doing drag for 40 years or something he said uh the mid 80s yeah mid 80s i want to say 87 i was even gonna say 81 for a second but like i mean come on that's that's legend stuff and then uh came in not like crying and like i finally made it i'm so tired i've finally been recognized me the pathetic fool who no one loves has finally been given a crumb just came in and was like i'm here to have fun i'm old i've been doing this forever uh i you know i'm psyched to be here and then delivered a bunch of really great drag which is like all i've wanted for all of these you know methuselah legend queens like i don't want to dwell on that i get that you're old i i'm proud that you're accomplished but sometimes the way they talk about it is like until mommy tells me i've done well uh i'm still just a worthless little worm so often they make it sound like they cultivated the coal that then turned into the diamonds they're wearing oh and you know the one thing i i really thought was so great about kitten was Kitten at one point, and they were all like, ooh, we're looking at each other out of drag. And everybody agreed, no trade this season. Everybody's very attractive, but they agreed that Kitten is daddy. And Kitten was like, I'm fine with that, but I'd really rather be mommy to these boys. Like, I'd really <sighs> take care of them. Oh. oh, my God, what an awesome competitor. I love you. Yeah, she's great. And, and like, and really did, I thought, you know, gave uh, 100% gave. some really uh, fantastic looks. Episode two, um, literally one of the best comedic performances that Canada's ever had. Yep, phenomenal performance. Ever. Two great runways. I just, uh, for me, that is that's how you come on strong there's like it's it's like be a that or be a bob bianca um and so you know i was I, that was an energy that i was like immediately i'm enjoying this season i haven't super loved the past two seasons of canada to be honest um some really great competitors in there and some of that energy stuff is also how they get edited and introduced um i they did a thing this season where uh each queen walks in does their entrance line and leaves and they don't accumulate in the workroom which um i thought i was not going to like uh, jonah the reason it, they weren't told but that was stage one of a right. three-part ball challenge yeah that's look one and they um, were not told this until no. after. And they all were just like, I don't know why I look so good to walk in to nobody. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So that was that was the evaluation. And uh, it um, I think that resulted in some really good energy for me, just kind of getting a chance to 
uh, really neutrally evaluate everyone because the minute they come in, they say their stupid line that I don't care about. Then they go sit down and they say more stupid lines that I hate more <laughs> and they try and like one up each other and some girls nail it and then I love them, but they turn out to be garbage later in the season. Oh, Amy Schumer. Yeah, like, you know, they 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 crib jokes that aren't great, and just coming in, doing the line, talking about themselves in a talking head, it made me get to love. I I really loved all of them by the end. Even though I started to have preferences, I really yeah. loved basically all of them by the end. Um, and so like I just some really interesting, smart decisions made for the setup for this season. That uh, yeah, got really got the energy going. I is do. this every is this the whole cast yeah there's oh, yeah. 11 holy shit wow it feels like there's yeah. so many more of them so canada well one the one thing i want to talk about so when they say the the terminology of like it's her time it's my time that's um trickling from the pageant system and pageants where people will compete at certain years and be like oh no it's her time like she, she yeah, actually she, has the shot she, to win Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean Oscars. Like it, oh. people get Oscars all the time when it's just like this was not the performance, but we know they're dying in four years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so from your guys' perspective, my problem with Canada often isn't so much the challenges or the contestants because I tend to actually really love the Canadian cast. It tends to actually more so be a little bit of the judging. I think season, out of the, I guess, please correct me, out of the four seasons so far, tell me how you guys felt about the, the, these first two episodes on this judging. Five, do not forget the craziest judging in the oh, history yes. of Canada comes from Canada versus the world. Yeah, Canada versus the world is a little... Uh, Worst judging in the history of the Canadian franchise. I'd argue season one has a lot of really weird and bad yeah, judging. Yeah, pretty, pretty I put that judging. all on the two judges that they then decide to dump. Yeah. I don't blame Stacy. <laughs> it's the Santino factor. I, um, but that's, that's usually my, my content problem. And also like, I look at season one and season two when there were maybe like some interesting, like one-off fights. Season three had a little bit more drama which was entertaining as divisive as she is miss fiercealicious kind of at least gave us very entertaining a very entertaining yeah. season yeah. so like however you feel about her regardless of, of your personal statement like objectively she gave us she was hysterical sorry she <laughs> was aurora was funny top to bottom uh aurora's fine Kiki Ko is so hot. It's gross. Uh, Kitten Caboodle, maybe one of the most talented queens I've ever seen. Um, Kebo, can you do me a favor? Can you flash to the uh, the girlfriend experience? Man, we got to oh, talk about the girlfriend experience. I just need to be I'm very finishing clear. first, and then I'll go to whoever anyone wants. Hold on. First, I, Venus. I want to love the girlfriend experience with all my heart. There is this weird, trashy vibe to her that normally kind of gets me off in a way that very Kim Dawson, Skinamax, 2.30 in the morning. But it's maybe a little bit real cam girls doing real things for you that throws me off about her. So 
I'm having a similar but maybe opposite experience. I feel all that. I'm really into it. I'm, really- I'm sort of wondering. Uh, I feel like she's not doing drag. She's just a super gorgeous woman who has shown up to be super hot. And I really don't. I I don't I mean that. Hustling us. I mean that I, really honestly. Yeah. Like I I don't I don't want to sh- I don't want her to ever hear this and think that I'm minimizing her drag. But like she doesn't come up amped up she doesn't come up big hair uh really exaggerated makeup really like uh even you know the looks don't always have to be big but they have to be big statements all what we have gotten has been hot cunty shit and it's all i love all of it but i'm just like are you doing drag or are you just a hot girl who's here it's sort of like when teddy torres makes porn i'm sort of just like you're just a big guy having sex this is not pornography yeah so uh she looks like an estrogen based life form to me yes 100 percent. i also know there was a contestant on drag race italia where they didn't it was um I wish I remember the contestant name, but I remember just seeing about the cast announcement and a lot of conversation about this person is all drag is valid, but I'm confused as does just fully qualify as drag. Um, it was someone who was like, it kind of looked like me a little bit, like, you know, beard and all this, and just was wearing like some fierce makeup, but not like severe. It was like, oh, I'm just going out to go club. What didn't, didn't yeah. do drag makeup? I remember that yeah. was a conversation about that cast. Her vibe very much gives me Club Kid, and I love Club Kid. But like, but... vibe gives me like, and I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I'm putting this out there, guys. Sometimes you are like, I, I know a girl. I'm gonna give her a call. Hey, I just can't find weed. Could you? Oh yeah, find weed. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, gonna come over with the weed. You're gonna do stuff. And it's, it's coke. It's awesome. it's coke. But yes, um, it, it, it's like when I say club kid, I mean like I'm talking about like Lisa E. I'm not talking about like Lee Bowery. Like no, and that's, Lee Bowery girl. Lee Bowery. Um, oh my it, god, can we just have an entire podcast about how much I love Lisa Edelstein? Please. Yes. Yes. Uh, from from Limelight to uh, House. What's an L thing from Aaron Sorkin? But yeah, um, Levi String. Anyway, I love her. I love her. I love her so much. I think she is super hot. So uh, I just feel like she showed up to look really hot. And I don't, I, I really hope I'm not insulting her when I say, like, I just don't see her doing a lot. I mean, the Pearl look was really cool. It just, you know, again, it was like the slick back hair, the like the wet hair look. I'm just like, is it ever going to get big? Like, are we going to see some big hair? Um, (laughs) But I really, you know, and like, because the comparison is the other trans person on the season, Denim, uh, who is a Lee Bowery club kid. Like, who... But can I just be clear with you? For me, Denim is vanilla Nesquik uh, to compare to Gottmik. Um, Just when we talk about people who are trans icons for this franchise denim has it man yeah oh yeah 100 denim is i don't know that i get denim's drag at all uh like i genuinely thought that denim look was the worst fucking thing i have ever seen and I that did includes love it. that stupid rainbow jumpsuit I, I went to i went to middle school with so many girls just like denim though mm-hmm. literally and, so many you know denim talked about 
growing up a young woman and talks about being male presenting now and the sort of, you know, complications of the world of being a trans person and feeling that so much of trans culture has been appropriated by drag culture, but still loving drag culture. I don't know that Denim's got the looks, but fuck goddamn, Denim's got the personality. Denim has what it takes to go far. They they think Denim has the look, so that's a very interesting... And I'm not being like, well, you're wrong, uh, but I was shocked at how strongly they responded to her looks. So Yeah, I too was shocked. There's clearly something there. So, um, Canada what? continuing the trend of uh, questionable judging. Good to know that's yeah, the score for that. Exactly. Oh, um, but, oh, there's other stuff in the judging. What what do you what what do you I I really just I I could throw Brad off a cliff so I you know in the first episode they gave out rosebuds right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. to people they thought did a really good job in the in the entrance each, look. each judge gave one and 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 Denim got one that's that was part of what I was talking about when I said you know they liked it yep. uh Denim got Brooklyn's um which and... what a fucking Brooklyn look and I don't love Brooklyn's looks so it really tracks that yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, she clearly likes an avant-garde look and it, it was, you know, it was, uh, and her, um, her runway look was really, uh, Denim's runway look. I was really cool. It was out there, uh, but they responded really well to it. Um, did Kiki get one? Uh, Kiki was in the top, uh, in the first episode. I thought Kiki was amazing. I think Kiki's so hot. Yeah. Uh, but Kiki didn't get a, a rosebud. No. Um, um uh, and like the first thing Kiki said is when she walks into the the room and no one's there she goes Where is everybody? <laughs> and like the way she delivers it is so fucking good. We knew we were in love with her the second she walked in the room and was ready to be kind of funny. It, it's it's giving I... um Oh, really quickly, if I can, it's giving yeah. Carrie Colby in season 14 a dragonfly. <laughs> <laughs> the absolute, like, quote of the century to me. Truly well, I love moments like that because, you know, the first, the, first, the first woman to walk in was, you know, very, I'm the first. But then you have to imagine they started being told, no, you're not the first. So they're like, okay, so wait, but what? the way that they probably had to structure it to keep them I'm sure they were like just keep it moving happening. just keep it pushing just get keep out it, get in get out keep it pumping queen um, oh. I really I I feel bad I always hate talking any shit but Melissa or Melinda Oh my uh, god Melinda looked ghastly in the first episode she literally looked like a zombie the makeup I again Queen's getting a lot of references this week it was Aja season nine in yes. not good way. I mean, the way. pure princess disaster makeup the, for a I, whole the, episode. The contour line on her cheek was such an unblended nightmare. The oh lip was God. fruit punch mouth. And then it didn't get drastically better in the second episode, uh, but she did nail the challenge. Oh, she um, was so funny in two. And I got to be honest, like we're, we're saying she looks ghastly. I actually, she's kind of like my type. Like I, I, I would find her. Yeah, the dude, the dude type. is your type. Yeah. Uh, and and the makeup or the the looks the outfits are cool i'm excited to see but the makeup i was just very surprised that it didn't get more of a comment because it just is very ghastly 
uh it's very uh color blocky i don't know it's it was weird it was a very weird moment but it was like I, somebody watched the madonna vogue performance from the vmas a few too many times and didn't take the notes in hd I also want to say I'm insanely insulted that she is the other old queen old this person. season. She is 37 years old. I have to go onto an ice uh, flow now. 44. Uh, Melinda? Melinda's 44. Yeah. She's 44? Yeah, it's their 44 and 57. The two oldest queens are 44 and 57, and everyone left them to die in a group challenge where it was formed three groups of three and one group of two. Everyone else buddied up and left Melinda and Kitten, the 44 and 57-year-olds, by themselves so they would have a combined age of nearly 100. I see, though. She started drag at 37. 101. Oh, my God, 101. There are groups of three that don't hit 101. Um, uh, There's groups of three that don't hit 80. If we can just pivot to one person that needs pivoting immediately... Valentine, I mean, Venus is a lot for me because the first second I saw her, I immediately said, I don't trust this bitch. She's trying to be Valentina. Get the fuck off my screen and lost my shit and became incredibly angry. Yeah. And Gina Linetti here. She spent two episodes proving to me that she's talented. I don't know that I, I don't know that I like her as a person yet. But oh, she got she got a rosebud too, yeah, which I thought was did. insane because it was I, a terrible. It was a Two pieces of fabric, man. Jonah, big spoiler, biggest spoiler for the whole two episodes. She doesn't tuck. That's her. That's her gimmick. Because she is non-binary and does not feel that everybody who is feminine presenting doesn't have a penis, and so she's just not going to tuck. Okay, that's not something so, I'm used to. But yeah, I respect. That's what. That's how they see the drag character. It is there. Uh, and um, they're also not wrong. There are women who have penises and there are men who have vaginas. That is just a, mm-hmm. a fact. And Brooklyn was very encouraging. Brooklyn was like, I loved that. You surprised me. That was great. Yeah. Uh, well, but the the look that revealed it, I don't think deserved. Uh, awful. It uh, was. Any accolades. Awful. And that's, yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's super talented. She and the girlfriend experience are best friends. I think that's very funny. They are obviously going to get in a huge fight. That fascinator um, was one of the greatest things. Yeah. That gossamer look she wore in this. Uh, was it the second episode? No, the first episode. That gossamer yeah. look she wore. Yeah. She looked like uh, the, the, the Looney Tunes character, Gossamer, the big red yeah. monster. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. She simulated her dance moves were flawless. I mean, like her gem really? look was incredible. She's gorgeous. She's really cool. She's uh, beautiful. She, she does not seem super sane, so I can't wait for that to pan out as this as the episodes accumulate. Also doesn't seem particularly kind. No, sure does not. Uh, that's always a fun one. Um, yeah, I mean... The, the great drag names this season. Just the, yeah. girl, the girlfriend experience is like the worst, but also the best drag name in the entire world. The girlfriend world. experience Completely is the literal agree. best worst name in Completely the agree. So good. I also just love denim. Just denim. Just denim. Um, and... Denim, I just also want to say, so um, Sissy Superstar did not have a good couple of days. No, sure did not. And the one thing is Denim has a great couple of days. And Denim never once stops propping up Sissy. 
Yeah. And the thing is, it's easy to lose sight of the people who literally made you. But Denim goes out of her way at a low moment for Sissy to say, I just want to say, uh, you know, all of my best moments in drag, like I have so many incredible bookings that are only possible because of you and what you do. You really are the leader of where we're from and underground drag. And so I'm just really happy to see you keeping on. And like Denim really has the personality to be a Monet exchange. Um, maybe, she, you know, maybe because in drag, she is she, right? Maybe she yeah. won't miss quite as many notes in live performances. But we'll Hey, she got happens. there when she started doing opera instead of trying to sing just R&B. And everyone, um, knows, I think, an opera singer oh, is so yes. R&B singers. So. <laughs> um, I One thing I really do love about Canada is that I, I should say one thing I don't love about the U.S. is that uh, if it's not New York or L.A., uh, people don't really talk about the community. It can be a little bit Chicago, but it's kind of season and and contestant dependent. Uh, but it's always like it, you know the big drag families of L.A. or you know I'm uh Miss Cracker and I got put in drag by Bob. Uh, and other than that, we don't really get a ton of like community talk. And it's something that's happened in Canada a few times. And it always happens with like the Edmonton girls, not like the Toronto bitches, you know, like places where like obviously dragged yeah, in a be It's never LA. It's always, no. you know, Greenvale. <laughs> yeah. Like the Prince Edward Island drag. Um, and they always like are like, yeah, I know you. We, we, uh, work at the same. There's a great moment, uh, where, um, King Kaboom is talking to Aurora Matrix, I think, and she's like, "I do the six o'clock show, and you do the eleven because I want to go to bed." Yeah, I know. Uh, she's like, oh my god, we've never actually formally met. Yeah, they've never met. And she's um, like, "I'm the six, and you're the 11. Yeah, because yeah. I'm in bed at nine thirty. It was yeah. so cute. It was very sweet. Uh, and I just like what? Oh, I was gonna ask uh, who our francophone queens are because they're usually uh, um sissy for sure. Uh, I would point out there's two native Spanish. She looks up. There, yeah, there's uh, there are two native Spanish speakers. Uh, girlfriend experience speaks German. Um, I do, I, I would not be surprised if Denim spoke French, but it never comes up. Um, um, I also want to point out that uh, Luna Dubois grew up in Nigeria, yeah, and uh, would probably have some linguistic influence from her time pre 12, uh, because she moved to Canada when she was 12. So, you know, there's a number of Sissy uh, was the only one with a French Canadian accent. Oh my god, but Sissy, I'm I'm gonna put this out there. Yeah, Sissy had the ugliest version of the Miss Vangie moment in the history of the world with that'll do. Um, uh, yeah, she which sucks uh, because she ended on such a good note. She she has she has an exit line that's like, um, uh, like I'm the girl of your dreams, but I'll see you in your nightmares. And it was yeah. really funny. And then she just walked away and comes back in to do this stupid quote from the skit that sent her home that was not funny. And like it was awful. Everybody kept quoting. Yeah. And like honestly, out of drag, she kind of looks cute, like Roderick from the final season of Glee. Like uh, she's not a nightmare. She's not no. a disaster. But like this was two very unkind episodes to her. I, and to be fair, we did get a really, really, really great exit line. We didn't really talk about it last week. Um, but Kate Butch's no, I quit. You can't fire me yet. Oh damn it! Yeah. 
yeah, that's very that funny. was good uh i realize now we only did not talk about one queen uh and we probably just should to be fair near enough exists oh no um, also, we have to talk about amy yance oh we do have to talk about amy yance amy yance also had a rough week for different reasons uh near enough the the look and attitude kind of are giving me lemon but mm-hmm. uh and can't think, can't think of what she actually looks like in drag yeah. at least not out of drag she looks like penny morphosis <laughs> i see you it. mean yeah. lemon like the car right because <sighs> or like the sour fruit i meant like the drag queen from season one. Oh, i know uh, oh uh, okay i also uh, just want to say that like the other person uh, she kind of looks like um, is the the uh, Latino presenter who used to host all of those uh, late nights. Sh- okay. Anyway, Spanish language what? doesn't I exist. I don't mean to shock 4.5 billion people. But, um, uh, you know, near enough, they even make jokes about the amount of filler in yeah. his face. Yeah. This is something that was really hard for me. And, um, you know, I, I, when I sometimes talk to people who don't love drag as a community the way we do, I have to be like, yeah, outside of makeup, sometimes the girls look kind of scary uh, because they've designed their face to support their art. Yeah. yeah. Near Enough is sort of a striking person outside of drag. And maybe in drag isn't my kind of thing. Near enough is sort of like Dee Delicious's sloppy Canadian cousin. Yep, that's um, nailed it. Uh, so I, I don't. I also drag, say this, but... and this is not to start beef or anything. Really, I don't think RuPaul would like her name. I agree. Yeah, you're probably right about that. RuPaul loses interest after the first name, so she doesn't really like need the joke to go into the second name. And then her storyline the entire season would be, so what are you changing it to? Similar to how Heidi's was. Yeah. Oh, Heidi Hydration, Heidi Aphrodite, which I actually really liked. I did like Heidi Aphrodite. Uh, really Mighty do. Aphrodite really is a terrific film, um, all things considered. Uh, and there are things to consider. There really are, but man, do I love Mira Sorvino and think she would be an incredible Drag Race guest judge. I just realized that Mira Sorvino was the 90s Brie Larson. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was something I realized the other day, and I can't unthink it. Uh, Does Brie Larson also have a father who was a character on Law & Order? I mean, very possibly. I hope. Um, Uh, But anyway, uh, this this is going to be a fun season. I Mira, talking about Mira Sorvino reminded me of Mina Stuvari and the fact that I just saw that we just released (laughs) the Christmas version. Of Teenage Dirtbag this year. Yeah. It's called Christmas Dirtbag. Yep. I opened for Weedus, so. That was that was on one of the Christmas mixes. I remember Gin Blossoms, but I don't don't remember Weedus. Maybe I do. I don't remember what show it was, but I know you did. Do you remember the bar we used to perform at? My band. You look us up on on, uh, anywhere. The the Survival Instinct. If you want to hear me scream some music. But... um, do you remember the place that that one time they had to delay the show because the raccoons came out of the ceiling? Oh, they played there? Wow. No, well, when we went back, when they had repaired the ceiling, um, they we we opened for Weedus. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. I've uh, had a weird career. Um, well, go look up Christmas Dirtbag, everyone. I do want to say that the thing that I'm most excited about with uh, this season of Canada's Drag Race is these girls feel like they play off of each other well. Yeah, there's a chemistry that like, and I, you know, uh, I like all chibi cute kid versions of 
um adult cartoons like i just mean like you know like i love muppet babies and i love a pup named scooby-doo i love the cutification godzuki 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 is one of my favorite things in the world right um that's why we're doing godzilla actually like really you want to get me into monster movies throw in godzuki um but i feel like there is a difference between a pup named scooby-doo and muppet babies there's a difference between the remake of 90210 and the original Sometimes a group of people create just such a beautiful vibe. When we turned off UK episode nine, I was like, thank God there's only one left. When we turned off Canada episode one, I was like, thank God we have episode two to go. This chemistry, this is fucking semi-sonic. This is such good chemistry. I'm really impressed by the choices and chances they took here. I do think perhaps they are treating some of the women of color a little bit like the, Oh, well that's the, the black corner of the show by virtue of how the teams fell out in the first episode. It did mean that there were only so many sequences with, um, you know, women of color who are black. Of course we have women of color who are Asian here and that is beautiful women of color who are Spanish, but I have long felt like, um, Canada focuses on things that are very important to Canada and that is so much of the representation of indigenous people. And in the course of that, sometimes I feel like their black cast members do not get the same respect. Uh, I really hope to see more from Amy Yonce and Luna, both of whom like, I hated Luna's personality, not going to lie. But when she was humbled and seemed truly humble, I'm ready to give her the chance she deserves. Um, and uh, I just want to see where this goes. This is one of the most exciting beginnings of any season. And I will say the thing with Amy Yonce was uh, they did that the narrative of the conflict where she voiced like, you know, I'm going to have a bit of a problem because I have a, a heavy Dominican accent. And that turned into we have to be careful letting her speak. Uh, that was actually a good storyline in terms of, you know, when you are particularly a queen of color who has an accent, people often are going to look at you and be like, well, here's what you can't do. And I thought that it didn't resolve very well because they didn't do great in the challenge. But I thought that her never backing down and being like, I didn't say don't let me speak. And, you know, th that she was consistently advocating for herself, regardless of the fact that it didn't play out the best. I thought that was a an important lesson. Um, I wish i i don't know there's i don't it was weird that they talked so much about uh american anti-gay and trans experiences i mean i get that it's all we're all very close but it just it was so weird that they were specifically like what about what's happening in america i'm sorry did canada not have hate crimes like yeah I know they do it was odd yeah. it was just very odd and that they specifically you know it came up in weird ways uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, we can talk about other stuff, but, uh, I, yeah, this is such a fun cast. I'm really excited. I really, uh, I do think the girlfriend experience is just the fucking coolest. She, dude, can I be honest with you? You two would be my fucking hero low lifes. Uh, when yeah. I was in high school, when I was a freshman, uh, I was pet freshman to two seniors, Christian who uh, was, if I tell you, he was a a very handsome kind of muscular Latino gentleman. Uh, just fill in the No blank. one will be surprised. And then nope. Kelly, 
who um, was only finishing up high school as a formality, but had already been working at a dental clinic for like two years and uh, was going right into a special dental program. Uh, we had Spanish together. I was in senior Spanish as a freshman. <laughs> and um, uh, they took really good care of me. And when I tell you the way I worshipped them, I kind of worshipped the girlfriend experience. And you are just, uh, you know... Uh, the chosen people's answer to Christian in so many beautiful ways. Yeah, she would. That would have been my homegirl right there. We would have. We would have had a lot of fun. A lot of bad decisions made doing whatever Time. she told me was cool. Right. That's uh, that's me on this season, Kevin. Yeah, right? that's it. Why? What do you think? Do you have what, any thoughts on final this? thoughts? <laughs> Uh, you know, it was such a whirlwind to have this season be right on top of us while we are still so much in the middle of UK. Um, what's this dumb homo's name again? Uh, Brad Goreski. Oh my god, he's super hot, but yeah, kind of dumb. Uh, oh my god, when Brooklyn we, came for him. We're so used to Alan Carr that I'd forgotten about having a judge that I want to bang so mercilessly. Uh, but I also want to put it again. Alan Carr, Doctor Who connection. Alan Carr's show is where we discovered the Cheeky Girl. I was only watching a clip from his show in like 2007 for David Tennant, and he references the Cheeky Girls, and he does touch my bum, jizz on my face, give me my work visa, cheeky cheeky. And I was like, what the hell is that even referencing? And so that's how I discovered the Cheeky Girls. And now here we are with David Tennant back on Doctor Who while I'm watching Alan Carr on another UK show. And it's, talking about the Cheeky yeah, Girls. Talking about the Cheeky Girls on yesterday's broadcast. Teak. Speaking of Doctor Who connections, Kevo, did you know that Alfred Enoch's father was uh, an original companion? Yes. yes. I just found that out today. I think that's wild. Who? And like... Uh, um, Dean Thomas from the Harry Potter movies or shit. Wes... From How to Get, away, to with get away with Murder. Yeah, that's yeah. his dad. Yeah, is one of the two original companions. Who he's ninety nine. Uh, so I really need Alfred Enoch to I not be go. a doctor. Yeah, a he needs to be a companion. I know. At least a companion. I know. Amazing. Technically, yeah. is he old enough to have been Donna's husband? No, not at the time. Definitely. No, not no, quite. And I would not no. replace that handsome uh, man for anything. Yeah, crazy. Everything's crazy. Everything everything's crazy. Everything's connected. Uh, and, you know, we got more shows to talk about and more connections oh, to find. Wait, actually, one more connection before what? we can skip it. The guest host that was the comedian assistant person on oh, yeah this week she was in uh the new year's day special from the chibnall era of doctor who where she played a the manager oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah she's hysterical i love yes. her in that she was like she is... a less abrasive gwen cooper or more yeah. abrasive depends on your she name. is very funny um she's really great tegan and sarah great uh guests i only wish they played the con but it's fine yeah um interesting song choice it was the yes. tiesto song featuring tegan and sarah uh okay great tiesto song uh, that's an oxymoron but here we are delirium okay You're delirium that's it no i'm just a moron it's different um <laughs> no, there's, no, no, there's no oxygen here uh i, I will give you back. how am i supposed to breathe with no air 
Is that Tiesto? No. Oh, no. You had no oxygen. All right, turn the broadcast off. We're done. All right, no, one more thing. What? What? Uh, Have we made Canada season four, five, ten? Have we made was going to watch it of Canada sound exciting? Have we set it too high? Uh, Where are you? Where is the bar? And how do you feel about Canada? Um, I often look at Canada as a season that always doesn't get its credit. I think season two, uh, I know TK didn't really like them, but season two and season three, I think regardless of the judging, were uh, pretty good seasons. I think season two is probably a pretty solid season overall of Drag Race, especially with uh, the winner. I'm a, I'm a very big Isis Couture fan, uh, so that helps. Uh, but no, I'm, I, I get excited for Canada. Uh, I don't know if the community at large always gets excited for Canada, so I would... Um, I'm really hopeful that this will be a good season, and I'm gonna, you know, tune in as soon as I can. Oh, Brooklyn's looks were amazing both weeks too. Got to, got to throw that out there. Uh, you know, I think that is actually worth noting that this season it actually feels like Brooklyn, Brad, and Tracy are being given an extraordinary amount of capital to look excellent, and in a world where you're competing with Carson Kressley, an actual style icon in his own way, Michelle Visage, uh, you know, she got that Whitney Houston money. You know, you are literally talking about competing against people who, you know, bankroll deep. It was really nice seeing them look really expensive. Speaking of expensive, Brad looked like an idiot in the second episode in the ugliest suit he could have possibly fucking worn, and I promise you, it costs more than my house. So really frustrating that they're putting money into the budget and Brad still looks kind of dumb. That said, Brad, you're beautiful. I would love to, uh, I don't know. You don't get to know you can't write songs for you, but uh, you know, we can have gay friends on grinder. Anyway, uh, this has been a great episode. I've had a really great time. We talked Doctor Who. We talked Drag Race. Uh, next week, I want to get back to stuff like Monarch. I want to get back to stuff like Beacon 23. Uh, feeling so good about so many of the amazing scripted shows that are coming out right now, as well as things like our continued coverage of Drag Race, Doctor Who, and more. Uh, anybody have anything they want to say before we wrap up this amazing episode? All right, then, Jonah, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? You can find me over on the interwebs at Peak Jonah. That's P-E-A-K. Oh, brilliant. We can't wait to have you back. Uh, Kevo, as always, producer with the most. You've done such an amazing job getting this all together, making everyone those beautiful custom backgrounds, having those videos, those clips, that every image you have for not just Doctor Who, but all the stuff you do for us. Couldn't do without you. Uh, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on the socials at Kevo Really. That's K E V O R E A L L Y. Just being super stoked about um, all the cool new stuff that we're going to be talking about over the next few months. Uh, we've got more awesome holiday coverage coming up, which is really cool. Uh, we hinted at it earlier, but uh, we had a really awesome broadcast yesterday mm-hmm. where we uh, did a little bit of a bracketeering, tearing showdown uh, between Christmas songs that. Uh, was a lot of fun, and we have an awesome playlist that goes with it. So check out our channel and our whole playlist section for uh, a lot of cool organizations of our different broadcasts. I'm looking forward to more holiday content. I'm looking forward to more monster content. I'm already looking forward to post-holiday content. We, we have a lot of amazing stuff planned. So, uh, yeah, definitely check all of that out. And, uh, Teak, where can the folks at home find you? You can find me at TK Elemental. Nico, where can everybody find you? 
You guys can find me being so grateful for everything that TK brings to the show. If it weren't for him, we wouldn't have bracketeering and tear making, which are just two of my favorite parts of what we do. Uh, I am, I'm a Goodman Todd. I'm a Milton Bradley. Uh, I'm Mousetrap. I am at all times game man. And uh, having somebody who understands how to make a game really fun, it just means the world to me. Speaking of meaning the world to me, fans like Tasty Cake are a one in a contrillion. And yeah. uh, you just can't be grateful enough for, you know, he even said earlier in the chat, he does this, you know, he watches the show while he's doing other things. That's like, that's the kind of stuff that makes you feel good as a, a creator, that somebody's just so connected to the show, even when they're trying to live a busy life, they still find time. And that's what we want to be. We want to be a quick little escape. You know, you can have on in the background, you can make it your focus, whatever makes you feel good. We're happy to make fun to hang out with. Yeah. And uh, so until next time, when we come back to talk comics on Wednesdays, special media on Saturdays and nonstop TV Sundays, we need you guys to do six things like comment, subscribe. That's the first three. You're done. Okay. Got to stay safe. Got to be brave. Got to evolve daily. If you can do those three things, uh, actually those six things, and we can stop this broadcast. I'm only 20 minutes over what I promised everybody, and everything's great. Uh, so we will talk to you guys Wednesday. You're all the best. Don't forget to check out all of the amazing media that we've already talked about. We'll see you soon.